Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 3, Episode 30. Today we're talking about Babes in Toyland, a.k.a. March of the Wooden Soldiers from 1934, directed by Gus Maines and Charlie Rogers. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor Barnaby as the VIP of this movie, McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. Well, what's the matter, Mother Pete? I've got bad news for you. Bad news? I'm afraid you two boys will have to find some other place to live. Well, what do you mean? That old skinflint Barnaby holds a mortgage against this shoe. It's due today, and I haven't got the money to pay him. And we'll all be turned out into the street. Stanley, go upstairs and get my money box. Eh? Go get my money box. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to give you all of my savings, and I'll get the rest of it from our master, the toy maker. No one's going to throw you out of this shoe. Oh, I can't let you do such a thing. Tut, 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 tarut. One good turn deserves another. God, I love Barnaby in this movie. <laughs> He's so good. So fucking amusing. And also, I like the fact that he looks like a satyr. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Get that man a pan flute. Dressed like a pilgrim. He dresses like a someone who's in a stage play featuring pilgrims. Right. <laughs> like with a big old buckled hat. I love the fact that he has a walking stick that he doesn't use to walk with it. He uses to assault people with. That's <laughs> that's the, that's the ruse, man. Yeah. Also, he's definitely, definitely either a relative or a good friend of Mr. Prune from uh, The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. Oh, yeah. We will get to that for sure. <laughs> the MDU welcomes another old misery scumbag. I love that villains from this era in this kind of movie are all kind of the same. It's these, like, hunchbacked... Uh, Old rich men who have funny hats, walking sticks, hilarious facial hair, and all talk like this. <laughs> and they live in haunted houses covered in dust. Yeah, well, right, yeah. Yeah, they live in these crappy little houses. They have all that money, but they're too stingy to clean it. Yeah, they have a servant, though, to make them food or whatever. Uh, he's got a fritz. <laughs> he sure does. So here we are. Happy Thanks Garbage, everybody. Uh, it is Thanksgiving Day, and we're talking about one of the quintessential... Films for the holiday season, just to roll you roll into the Thanksgiving. You got the Thanksgiving, and then you roll right into Christmas. Uh, with with the classic, the Laurel and Hardy classic. Yes, March of the Babes in Toyland, March of the Wooden Soldiers. What is this movie formally called? Babes in Toyland. So real quick, I don't. I mean, we don't have to get into trivia's right away, but uh, just real quick, this is based off of uh, Victor Herbert's operetta, uh, Babes in Toyland, and that's what the film was originally called. Um, and there's a bit of dispute that we will talk about in a bit and why it was changed to March of the Wooden Soldiers and what have you. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm curious about that because I've always known it as March of the Wooden Soldiers. That's what my dad, you know, introduced it to me as, me and my brothers, and that's what I've always referred to it as. I, di- I didn't know till years later that it was also called Bames and Toyland, and I was, like, perplexed at the time of discovery of that information. Sure. I knew it as... Babes in Toyland because in elementary school we went and saw a a college play version of it and it was Babes in Toyland. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, that's the operetta. Yeah. To Sean's point, I don't even think maybe our grandparents 
knew it as Babes in Toyland because it was changed to March of the Wooden Soldiers like shortly after that. So our right. folks, our our immediate, uh, you know, our, our fathers, mothers, and fathers grew up uh, with it as March of the Wooden Soldiers as well. So I mean, we're talking this. The fucking name change was like in in the late thirties, early forties. So yeah. yeah, let's also uh, take a brief second to acknowledge the fact this movie is almost a hundred years old. Yes, guys, let me let you in on a little fact. Today is the is November 29th. And tomorrow marks the 85th anniversary of this film. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was released in Nove- on November 30th, 1934. Wow. Couldn't have planned that one better. Nope. We That was t- totally <laughs> by coincidence. I looked up the release date. I was like, holy shit, tomorrow's its 85th anniversary. So That's nuts. Yeah. It's, uh, the stars aligned. Also want to say that uh, commemorating the oldest movie we've done on this show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, before we before we get uh, cracking into this, before we dig into this uh, giant delicious turkey of a film, um, I believe we have some wonderful uh, Patreon questions and emails to to cover. And uh, I just want to get out of the get get uh, this out of the way right quick. This episode is mostly going to be just that. It's going to be our appreciation for. All of you who listen and support us and fondly reminiscing about this film. But uh, with that being said, take it away there, Shawnee boy. I I like how you introduced me there. (laughs) So this is going to be broken up a little bit differently than normal because I have some questions from a few different uh, posts over on Patreon. And uh, you can always head over to our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash movie dumpster and sign up for any tier. And you can get behind the scenes stuff like pictures, videos, and, uh, you know, get those commentary tracks we just came out with. The first one, The Legend of Gator Face. Oh, yeah. You better go get that. And uh, so at the $2 tier, you get access to all the posts. And uh, at the $5 tier, you get the commentary track. Uh, we got a mini-sode uh, that dropped with uh, C.B. Smith, Book to the Movie. Yeah, our brand new little kind of uh, Patreon-exclusive uh, series we got going now, Book to the Movie. Um, we don't we don't know how often that's going to happen. We, we've been talking to Smith about some ideas. He was floating an idea to me that maybe he only does uh, movies that we did, and he hasn't seen the movie, but he only did the book, just to kind of see uh, how we shake out at the end. So we'll see. Maybe we'll do that next time. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be fun. Um, Yeah, we were... We were we're talking about because uh, we just did an of unknown origin with Tony from Hack the Movies, yes. and uh, that's based on a book. So that would be a fun one to do. Get Smith to read uh, the Visitor, and then uh, we can discuss the differences between the uh, book and the movie. That's pretty much uh, what that uh, special episode is going to be. I wonder how many of these books it will take him to start cursing our names. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like reading Frankenstein Unbound was a real chore. Well, he was reading it anyway of his own volition. We didn't uh, make him read that one. We also have a special. Uh, Thanks Garbage uh, Side Dish Minnesota dropping, I believe, tomorrow. You'll be able to experience Bone Chiller's uh, Franken-Turkey episode that we did uh, as a little uh, follow-up to, to our March ep- this March episode, yeah. Yeah, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you didn't do all the damn dishes yet because you were so tired after cooking all that shit. Oh, yeah. And you break the mashed potatoes out. You don't even really heat them up. You just stick a fork in them and start chowing down. That's, uh, that's this dish you're going to get on the side here. Oh, yeah, man. Cold sweet potato pie. Sign me up. There you go. You, you put the gravy on there, you put it in the microwave, it melts, and you have a delicious dish yeah. at 7 a.m. Listen while you're uh, washing your dishes from the night before. There you go. You eat again, and then you wash all that shit, and you listen to Movie Dumpster. And then you fall back to sleep, because there's still a whole bunch of trip to fan that food. <laughs> 
<laughs> that sounds like a per- that sounds like a good day to me. But yeah, you get that with the five dollar tier and ten dollar tier too. <laughs> wink, wink, elbow, elbow. Yeah, and that ten dollar tier, you also get the uh, movie dumpster T-shirt and the enamel pin that glows in the dark, and of course the five and ten, you also get the wonderful movie dumpster sticker pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you get something too. So it's not just commentaries and minisodes. You're gonna you're gonna get some MD swag in those Patreon uh, tiers five and tens. Yeah, with all that uh, out of the way, let's get to the questions. So this first question comes from Daniel, perhaps. Hmm. And he says it's the year 1999. And Celebrity Deathmatch is at its peak. <laughs> oh, yeah. I miss that show so much. The Dumpster Goblin versus The Creep from Creep Show 2. Oh. Who would win in this claymation combat of Carnage, and what would be their special slash finishing moves? Um, The Dumpster Goblin wins because the kid from the pit interferes and pushes the creep into a pit. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's his son, apparently. So that's what it would have to be, right? Like, the Dumpster Goblin gets the powers from the movies that we did for Trick or Trash. Oh, man, he's got Trogdor? Oh, yeah, he's got Trantor from, from Ernest Scared Stupid. He's got the he's got the, uh, the Tralla Logs. Um, he even has uh, Sherry Belafonte, too, on his side. <laughs> Summons her, she bites you on the neck, turns you into a vampire spawn. There you go. But the Creep also has access to... Now, he said Creep Show 2. Correct. So does that count? Uh, so I, I would assume that the original creep show uh, uh, denizens do not count. So we have, what do we got? Chief Woodenhead. That's a pretty good ally to have, though. Yo, Chief Woodenhead's a bad dude. He's a badass dude. And the blob. The, the tar monster is really overpowered. Oh, yeah, well, but he has to be in water, right? Yeah, it's like a little kiddie pool next to <laughs> fucking... <laughs> <laughs> the ring. And then the thanks for the ride lady guy, the zombie. Yeah, that's true. Yes, he, you can just pick him up and hit people with him because he's indestructible. Well, that's true, yeah. He throws himself at you. Thanks for the ride, lady. You do, Unfortunately, you're right, Joe. You don't get Ted dancing. No. You don't get Fluffy. No, you don't get Leslie Nielsen either or, uh, you know, Dad with the birthday cake either. No, no, yeah. You don't get, yep. Or excuse, yeah, the Father's Day cake. Excuse me, not the birthday cake. Yeah, yeah no, no, no Ed Helms or, or Adrian Barbeau for you. No, you also don't get Tom Atkins either. Voodoo doll? Nope. None of that. Oh, that's, oh, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I think Dumpster Goblin. I think he's got like, remember from Smash Brothers, I think it was Brawl, where they had the, uh, what were they called, their their specials, the uh, Final Smashes? Yeah. They changed it in the more recent games, but Kirby used to have this fucking Final Smash where he took out a cooking pot and he like sucked everybody in. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be the Dumpster Goblin. He's got the cauldron. He's like sucking you in. <laughs> <laughs> but you get like compacted like it's a Mortal Kombat fatality. I imagine it's more like summoning Knights of the Round from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Dumpster Goblin just like, just starts summoning all these fucking figures from the MDU and they just come along and get a big old fucking hit. Oh, sure. See, that's the thing. Go- Dumpster Goblin has the literal power of the MDU. So, I don't know. Tom Savini is, is no match for that, I don't think. No. Even with the powers of Trantor, turning his opponent into wood and shit like that. Trantor versus Chief Woodenhead. There you go. That's an even match, right? Whoa. Yeah, it's, actually, I kind of want to see that. Yeah, that, <laughs> now you put that out there. Would that work like old Mortal Kombat logic where if you threw an ice ball at someone twice, it just freezes you? Yeah. 
Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I guess, right? So Trent just turns the wood like his first turn. Oh, man. That's fucked up. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. I just assumed it wouldn't work, but that's a good way of looking at it. Dumpster goblin, because... Uh, I mean, we're also kind of biased, to be totally fair. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the word I was looking for. I'm just kind of biased, because, I mean, why not, right? I just want to see Celebrity Deathmatch with that. Some stop-motion stuff? With full clay, you know, puppeteering and stuff. I don't want to see a reboot without that. No, oh, no, you can't have it. It has to be uh, stop stop motion. I agree. So yeah, Dumpster Goblin, I think, comes out victorious in that one. <laughs> oh yeah, hat trick. Or it's one of those things where they, they destroy them each other, and it's just like a big blood ble- bloodbath? Maybe. Yeah. Marilyn Manson cuts the lights down and smushes them both. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Get it on! Yes. Then we have a question from Nick Lowry, and uh, this was in in response to the Franken-Turkey post, so just to give it a little context here. Okay, there you go. And uh, he says, turkey teeth versus chicken teeth, which is more rare? Uh, do they have teeth? In their beaks? I honestly don't know. In either case, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably go with turkey teeth because I did the visual of that. I'm just picturing them with like big fucking saber tooth tiger teeth hanging down. Um, when you when I think of like a fowl with teeth, I always think of the goose from Rugrats when he has Grandpa's dentures in his mouth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe that, maybe the goose, and we'll cook that goose. There you go. Is, was the question which one's more rare? Yes. I'm not sure. I, I mean, do they have teeth in their beaks? Are they like little tiny, tiny, tiny like razors or something? I don't know. It's I'm so taken aback with the question. I'm actually Googling it right now because I don't know at all. I was going to say uh, in Franken Turkey, that fucking turkey had teeth. Well, that fucking thing's mouth was made of a goddamn <laughs> jumper cable. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Giant metal teeth. <laughs> wow. Do, do turkeys have teeth is the second Google suggestion. Well, the verdict is? um, Turkeys do not have teeth. Okay. Well. So it must be pretty damn rare. But they do have two stomachs. Interesting. They're like fucking Melmachians, dude. Oh, wait. Alf has three stomachs, right? Yeah. Do chickens have teeth? Uh, chickens don't have teeth. <laughs> I, I would have to guess just if I had to put like an actual uh, answer on this, Nick. Like if this was, if life was an RPG, let's say, uh, when you kill the chickens, if you got any teeth, they're probably worth like five silver. And if you got any turkey teeth from killing turkeys, they're probably worth like 10 silver, just because they're bigger, harder to kill. I'm feeling a little tug at my back, and I think it's because um, he's pulling my chain, is, is what I think. Oh. <laughs> now, now, if you were to ask me what I think is scarier, a turkey or a chicken with teeth, a turkey definitely uh, by a country mile, because turkeys are already terrifying. Sure. And they're smarter, too, I think. Yeah. Yes. I hope that answers all your uh, curiosities about uh, <laughs> turkey and chicken teeth there, Nick. I wonder if this is just to make one of us Google if turkeys or chicken have teeth. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, is it just a goof? Uh, moving on along, we have a question here from Justin Kiefer. Hey, Justin. I mean, he's one of our newest patrons, I believe. Yes, he is. And uh, I had asked in this uh, post uh, what you guys are thankful for. Because uh, this was our Thanks Garbage episode. Figured, you know, let's hear from the dwellers, the dumpster dwellers. What are you guys thankful for? Yeah. And right off the bat here... With some uh, kind words from Justin. He says, I'm thankful for your podcast and uh, given nothing but hilarious quality entertainment all these years. Well, thank you, Justin. Thank you so much. So I guess uh, Justin's been a long-time listener then, so thank you. All these years, God. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that's a good point, Connor. It doesn't feel like that to me, but it, I guess it has been. Three three seasons, yeah, three, three years. Coming up on four very soon. Oh, yeah. And uh, he continues... 
Would love to see you guys at a convention like Midsummer Scream sometime. Mm. We we were talking about that before this whole uh, pandemic thing happened. We actually had big plans to start hitting the conventions with a table and and do like uh, some live stuff uh, from the table itself. So I mean, when this wraps up uh, finally and it, we're allowed to you know go outdoors and and get together in big groups again, that's definitely going to be on the list. So we will see you there for sure. Yeah, but until then. I you won't catch me dead in an airplane. Nope, it's not it's not happening. Yeah, me either. Connor, if you start walking now, will you be here in time for my wedding next year? Uh, will I survive the walk? <laughs> <laughs> Just go full Rambo on somebody at one point or another. Yeah, <laughs> he gets here. He's like he looks like fucking uh uh like fucking Forrest Gump. He's, he shows up like Terry O'Quinn, but like from uh from Lost. His head shaved. Oh, God. He's got a fucking hula skirt on. He's got, like, a, a grass skirt on and shit. He's half feral, you know, when he comes over. I've, I've somehow joined the Hells Angels. Like, just a lot of shit has happened. <laughs> he only sleeps on the floor because, like, the bed is too soft for him, you know? Right, right. Exactly. Scary thought. <laughs> and then he says, uh, my question... If you could make a musical out of any film in the MDU, which would it be? Oh, my God. Uh, my immediate response is Munchie. <laughs> Imagine that guy. He's already loves this thing. Just give him the whole fucking movie just to keep it going. Yeah. You know everyone would just, uh, you know, do themselves in before the movie ended. He wouldn't stop singing Hello, My Baby for fucking 90 minutes. <laughs> I would, I, I think I would pick the Runestone because it's like that far, that you can make it like a four-part, like, epic you know, like a like a like a big opera. Yeah. Equilibrium. Oh my god, that would be great. Um, I also want to throw a bonus answer in because we joked about this in Phantom Zone for a long time. Uh, we think that Batman vs Superman would be a lot better if it was a musical. Um, I'm going to agree with that statement. <laughs> what about uh, Rumpelstiltskin? Uh, that would be a good one too. It wouldn't be as epic. I'm coming for the baby John. I smell a baby named Johnny. <laughs> but it includes that, you know, the My Kind of World song, but it's like a fully orchestrated piece. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it would be it would be a giant, like, ensemble piece. Like, it would be like one of those medleys. Like, yeah. My Kind of World. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm just imagining that, like, on a Broadway play. Somebody walking around, <laughs> like, cutting a head off and putting fucking sunglasses on and driving a Mack truck off off a cliff and saying fuck it's me here let me make it easy for you there's backup dancers dressed as pickup trucks <laughs> what is the steed made of metal like a giant pair of sunglasses comes down the set <laughs> give it and like that's the thing give it stupidly high production values like make it as expensive looking as wicked there's a whole fucking song about sticking a broom handle in his throat oh yeah the chaff you don't want that in there no uh what about uh shakes the clown that could be a pretty good musical mm, yeah something like rent but it shakes the clown yeah 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 i could see that being really funny i could honestly see that being adapted by trey parker and matt stone <laughs> <laughs> right yeah without any effort whatsoever like book of mormon or something yeah yeah maybe i mean who doesn't want to hear binky singing about how evil he is or some shit but it has to be tom kenny or else no deal right i don't care how old he is <laughs> I would look forward to his solo performance in that movie where he sings Red Letter Day. Oh, my God. How good does that sound? It's a red letter day for Binky. Unless you guys got any other ones, I think uh, that that kind of... Are, those were the ones that came to mind for me. I think those are the big ones for sure. I mean, unless you're going to do Frankenstein Unbound, I guess that would be the only other big one. I was going to pick that, but like I feel like they've done that already. Yeah, I feel like it's ubiquitous. Right. Yeah. If it, if it hasn't been done, what are you waiting for people out there? <laughs> 
I'm waiting for Dracula Unbound, okay? Uh, Okay, that's fair. Uh, Our next question comes from Nicholas Walters, and he says, I'm thankful for my wife and daughter who is about 15 months old already, which is crazy. Uh, My daughter, not my wife, to clarify. (laughs) Thanks for that clarification, Nicholas. Didn't need it, but um, it just made it kind of a little bit more awkward than it needed to be. (laughs) Until before it got awkward, right? Yeah, okay. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, my question would be how... Would this uh, movie turn out if instead of Mother Peep, it was GVD? Any differences? Oh. (sighs) See, here's the thing. Uh, You know it's coming up in this fucking episode regardless. She she would have taken Barnaby upstairs and just dealt with it. Like she would have fucked him into oblivion, and that would have been the movie. She would have been like, "Why you want to take her? She's so little and inexperienced." <laughs> she lifts up her fucking dress. Hey, Barnaby, what'd you say? You come crawl under here. Why don't you do that? Barnaby just turns to bones. She's like, "Ah, I'll show you a boogeyman, a bogeyman." He would have either succumbed to it or like left town. He would have like no other option. Come after my shoe, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, right. If GVD, like we're gonna talk about it when we get into the actual movie but if gvd like if, if her brothel her shoe brothel was uh oh my god ab- about to be taken over by a debtor she's not gonna just uh you know give up no she's gonna go in for it so she's gonna constantly be trying to fuck this guy she's or, or kill him what are they i mean it is gvd we're talking about here she's gonna let that fucking rat loose dude she would never deal with a debtor like she would probably put the rest of the town in debt to her right oh yeah i like joe's idea though he released the rat into his fucking house and he's got a peter weller situation <laughs> destroys barnaby's mansion yeah or whatever someone just finds a half devoured corpse like you know days later <laughs> Barnaby goes into his boiler room and he's got a uh, replica of his house in there. With his fucking stick trying to kill it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, GVD lived in his shoes. She had so many concubines and she didn't know what to do. (laughs) She knew exactly what to do. She just had trouble making up her mind. I'm gonna fuck them all. You know I can. I have so many ideas. (laughs) Come into my basement. I could run Toyland for years. (laughs) Me and Cloris Leachman are gonna show you how it's done. Who run Toyland? Granny Van Dam run Toyland. Me, my two best earners, Ollie and Stanny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Stan and Ollie working for GVD. Hey, they gotta pay their keep somehow. Yeah. She's like fucking Tina Turner from Thunderdome. She makes everybody, they they get into a big fucking, like, a toy dome. (laughs) (laughs) Two toys enter, one toy leaves. And the fucking, the king is there, he's like, yes, so be it, make it so. (laughs) 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 Somebody woke me up from my nap. That fucking that that fucking uncooked turkey that is the king of this movie. <laughs> we'll get to him. I'm old King Cole. Get it? Our next question comes in from Dustin Elkins, and he says, "I'm thankful for Charnetsky's ever-growing desire for chunky chicken, and the extremes Dobby goes through to get it." Dobby is a little soldier, isn't he? Yeah. Brings a tear to your eye, don't it? I think he's just sick of getting shot in the head. You know, anytime he doesn't do what he's asked to, it's just like a worse punishment. <laughs> he's just he's just making the best out of an eternally crappy situation. Dude, even when he does, Charnetsky still kills him. So good job, Dobby. This is cold. I think Gunner's the only one that that rarely pulls the trigger. I mean, I'm not gonna say he doesn't ever. I mean, he, you know, let's not even kid ourselves. But well, Haggerty is biased against elves, and sure, I think Gunner is just like, hey, can you keep it down? I'm trying to watch the fucking Cubs game. Oh yeah, you know the Cubs are losing. Dobby comes in, he says some kind of comment about a sock or or, <laughs> or something along those lines, and Gunner just says that's enough. Oh yeah, he take he takes out his fucking aggression from the sports game on him. Yep, that's what happens. But but you know he doesn't really like to mess with Gunner because Gunner you know. Rarely 
rarely does he use a, a pistol. He, he just goes right for the chainsaw, and that's a painful death, and Dobby doesn't want to experience that if he can avoid it. Oh, he sure is. He fucking clocks him with the hammer. He fucking hangs him on a hook in the kitchen. That's what happens. Dobby's life is miserable. Just end it, Mr. Hanson. No, I think I'll just put you on the hook for now. I wonder what would happen if uh, Gunner asked Haggerty to, like, give him some kind of, like, leather face mask made out of Dobby faces? Like, what would happen? Would those just, like, disappear when Dobby died? Or would he have, like, an actual leather face mask, like, that looks like Dobby with a bunch of different, like, Dobby oh. uh, bodies, I guess? I guess they're technically not resurrections. Are you telling me that instead of respawning wholly, his body is left over and they have to, like, put the body somewhere? Like ego, right? On ego's planet. I mean, I mean that uh, that was the 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 origination of the like in the beginning of this joke. That was the whole thing. Potter comes in and buries him, and then he reappears. Oh yeah. So I always assumed that there was still a body in whatever plane he was left. Um, I don't know if it you know disappears after you know a few minutes or they got to get rid of it. I'm not really sure. Oh my god. It just goes. It goes. Just disappears. Right, right. I, th- I think that's a little too easy, though. Haggerty ends up stitching this thing together. He's like, come on, make, make that fucking doll there, Haggerty. And he's like, oh, jeez, you know, why do I have to do this all the time? You know, uh, whatever. And he fucking puts them together, and then that fucking Dobby becomes Dark Dobby? Like, it becomes sentient? I mean, that's a disturbing thought if it's like a bunch of uh, skin-together Dobbies. Like, this is some kind of... Uh... Sounds like a Silent Hill monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all stitched together? You gotta watch out for that. That can happen yeah you're supposed to burn the body like after you're done like on a pyre but Charnetsky gets fucking he's he's he gets too overzealous man he's like i don't give a shit let's fucking stitch that goddamn little thing together so i could punch it while i send it to go get chicken okay so now dobby's a crimson head this is getting more and more uncomfortable he could be i think that's another one these are supposedly the good guys like the, the the heroes of the mdu and they treat dobby like fucking dog shit well they don't consider him a being you know what i mean he's just there for to, for their amusement i mean let's be honest like hurt's not going to treat this guy any better he's going to probably treat him worse at the end of the day and that's why Ernest is the patron saint of the MDU because he is the ultimate beacon of goodness come here little fella I'll I'll keep you safe as long as I can Dustin continues uh, but he says my question is how well do you think a hundred Clint Howards at six feet high would sell would sell (laughs) who's buying like their livestock somebody definitely fucked that order up for sure. Are they wooden uh, Clint Howards like in in this movie? Are they actual like are they clones? You push a button on his back and he start he just he says like four different phrases. I'm infested. I'm infested. It's all that Clint Howard. Yeah, he explodes. It's it's not even like a mix. It's not like Raghead <laughs> and uh, Ice Cream Man and the one from Ticks. It's just like it's just the one from Ticks. But every time you get one, it it comes in a box with a question mark on it. You have no idea which one you're getting until you press the button. <laughs> Mr. Blindbox Mystery Clint Howard in a giant fucking Frankenstein crate. Yep, and then like sometimes you push a button, you're like, oh fuck, I got evil speed Clint Howard, and then he decapitates you the Claymore. Oh man, I got Waterboy Clint Howard. Or if you know what, if it's true to the MDU. Maybe it's, like, one of those, uh, you know, old action figures where they had, like, the multiple faces and you had to, like, spin it or hit a switch or something. Oh, there you go, yeah. When you do hit that button, like you're, like you guys are saying, it's random, but the head changes. Mm-hmm. And whatever head, you know, appears, you get a different uh, personality. There you go. So you do, you kind of want, like, particular Clint's, you know, otherwise you're kind of fucked. You know, you you order this Clint and you're like, oh, I really hope it's not the Ice Cream Man one. <laughs> and it, it's the Ice Cream Man one and then they cut your fucking head off and serve 
serves it as uh, ice cream to your neighbors. Or you get the car- you get the Carnosaur one, and he's just like, I gotta go drive a truck. Come on, I gotta deliver those eggs. Right. And you're like, this is stupid. This is boring. You get the uh, House of the Dead one, and you're talking <laughs> about, like, the island, and why, why, why do they always say why? He's got that fucking hook hand, though. That's pretty neat. Yeah, he's got that to attack you with. That's right, because he's also the killer, and I know you did that summer. Yeah, he starts leaving notes around your house. <laughs> Clint, I-, I could, I know you know what I did. You were sitting right there when I was doing it. And when you really hope when you're, like, in a debate with somebody, you get the uh, re- the rughead, uh, Clint. Yeah. Because then he can, you know, go, uh, if you win, you get this. If you win, you get this. All right, now fight. Not only is he a great lawyer, but he can fix your car, too. Yeah, yeah, he opens it up. Soups it up, dude. He, he fucking builds you the uh, the uh, wheelchair from um, Silver Bullet. The titular Silver Bullet. Yeah, I got the uh, plans from uh, Gary Buell. <laughs> so I guess the answer is it would be a shit show if this happened. Yeah, it would be. If I tell you one thing, well, you know what? It's the all-out war in 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 the MDU, right? And John Hurt's forces are coming. You fucking run into that warehouse. You press all those fucking buttons on all those Clint Howard's backs, and they come out. And they fucking help. They fucking tackle. Yeah, that would be the most annoying uh, army ever assembled. <laughs> Just, it's just a bunch of guys going, uh, yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah half, half of them attack, and the other half go after you as you're hitting the buttons. <laughs> it's enough percentage where, like, most of them fight the bogeymen, you know? So it's like, whatever. Right. Now, yeah, I mean, you might get lucky. It's just an army that doesn't shut the fuck up. You know, the, the opposing forces leaves. So, like, we're not dealing with this. Oh, I don't know, man. I just want to see the ones that are, like, infested with ticks that just, like, run up to the enemy and explode. Oh, yeah, those are the gr- those are the ones you want, right? Ideally, in a war against bogeymen. Boogeyman, yeah. Because you know John Hurt's getting boogeyman by the end of this episode. Oh, oh, you know he is. Well, because Barnaby's on on fucking John. The, you know he's power of evil. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So are the Ticklin Howards like the fucking orcs from Helm's Deep that just fucking <laughs> yeah. run to the bottom of it and just blow, blow it up? Bazooka! And he's just like, I'm infected! And he just runs into the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love it. Then we have a question here from Brendan Lemune. Hey, Brendan. Less of a question, more of a statement. And uh, he says he's thankful for his barbecue cozy. Oh, well, you're very welcome. You won it fair and square. Little koozie boy. Yeah. They're pretty nice. And uh, he says, it keeps my hand warm, but my beer cold. Welp, I'm glad it's working as intended then. I'm glad it's doing that very specific function it was built for. <laughs> I love it. And our next question comes from the Autistic Gamer 89 And he says, I'm grateful for my family, friends, and still being employed at my very first job ever. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah. And he says, and uh, my wonderful girlfriend, Ashley. Question. What are some of you guys' favorite childhood video games? Oh, fuck. Right away. Donkey Kong Country 1 and Mega Man X3. I dumped an inhuman amount of time into those. And so much that, like, if you hand me Cheez-Its, which is my big time childhood comfort food, it instantly takes me back. I'm going to say Sonic and uh, the original Sonic the Hedgehog and um, Yoshi's Island. And I mean, there's just so many. I mean, like Donkey Kong was a big one. Mortal Kombat was a big one. Well, specifically Mortal Kombat 2, I remember, and 3 when that dropped, for sure. Yeah. If I got to go with my teenage years, Legacy of Kane, just (laughs) straight up. Yeah, because when PlayStation came out, I mean, and I got to play, you know, I played the first Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2. Um, that was great. Oh, yeah. I love those games. Oh, and of course, like, Link to the Past. Sure. All-time classic. Ocarina of Time, uh, uh, fucking Super Mario 64, GoldenEye. 
Played a lot of Goldeneye. Uh, SmackDown. SmackDown, No Mercy, when wrestling games were good. Yeah. Oh, WrestleMania 2000 was my favorite. Yeah, No Mercy put a lot of hours into that back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> like, Super Mario Brothers, like the original, played a shit ton of that. And one and three were the two we played a lot of in my household. Yeah. And uh, the original Ghostbusters game, well, not the original. Like, we had the one for NES, and it sucked ass, but we still played it. Mm-hmm. But we had the uh, the one for Sega Genesis, which was actually really good. I never got that. I never got that one. You could play as Vankman, um, Stans, or uh, Spangler. Couldn't play as Winston, so of course it had to be that like weird shit where it's like we don't have the black guy in it. Hmm. Well, Winston's Winston's not on the posters, so right. I don't know. It's weird, but the game's very good. It has all their likenesses. And uh, it's like a side scroller. You can get like power ups and shit. I don't. I don't know why I'm going off about it, but yeah, that was a game we played a lot of as kids. And then like Joe said, like Ocarina of Time, Super Mario 64, Super Metroid's another one that always uh, comes comes up. And then uh, you know the list goes on. I actually got more into regular Nintendo as I got a little bit older because I I would play it as a kid, and you know I play like Super Mario two and and shit like that. But like. It it broke or something, and I didn't I didn't I hadn't played it for years, and then like my uncle had a because my uncles and my my old man had a video game rental store that I've talked about, but he had a fucking brand new NES just like in a box in his attic, and I remember getting it. Uh, he he gave it to me when I was like sixteen, and, and I played a shit ton of uh, Gyrus and uh, Life Force. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna throw a special mention at Turtles in Time. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh, my God. How could how could you forget? Yeah, exactly. That was that game was on rotation a lot. So good. And Ninja Turtles two for NES. Yeah, not the first one. Not the first <laughs> one. <laughs> or uh, Ninja Turtles for NES, the Manhattan Project uh, was pretty damn good. Um, other ones that just come to mind real quick. Castlevania. Well, Castlevania Symphony in the Night is always a classic that I try to go back to every couple of years because it's on Xbox. Yeah. Rayman 2 is a great game. Ooh. Um, I mean, they've made a ton of other Rayman games since then that were very good. I'm not necessarily saying going back to Rayman 2, but I used to like try to beat that game like once a year. Really, really good game. I loved Shadows of the Empire. I want to fire that up again uh well that's because that game is like a full-on lucasfilm production like yeah I, that was a big media enterprise for them i remember playing that because i couldn't hook up the 64 to the big tv in the living room because like when i got a chance to play it my dad was like watching tv so we hooked it up um in my parents room um on their tv in their room their little tube tv and i remember like vividly you know, I don't know. I don't know if any of you at home had had to do this, but like, it was one of those situations where I had to like plug the the fucking console in and then like pull it out as far as I could, like as far as the wires would let me, and like and then like balance it on something and then get close enough to like, <laughs> you know, sit on the bed but still be able to play. Like, oh yeah, well you got the wired controller. Yeah. So you had to like finagle that, right? Because it wasn't set up to like play games in front of or whatever. Because it was like on a it was like on a bureau or some shit. Anyway, case in point, I. I'll, I vividly remember fighting Boba Fett and the Slave One in that in that one uh, level, and I fucking died a million times, and I finally beat him, and I was just button mashing like crazy just to fucking shoot him to death <laughs> because the fucking laser has to reach your gun has to recharge. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you want to die a million deaths, like I still play this game because I, luckily I have the console for it. I just don't have a memory card. Uh, Bushido Blade. Oh, there you go. Yeah. One of the best fighting games ever made. There's no currently. There's nothing like it on the market absolutely nothing 
Um, if you don't know what it is, it's a sword fighting game, but a single hit can end the fight. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and there's a uh, mode in there called Slash Mode, which is a gauntlet where you fight 100 ninjas one at a time. And if you die, you go back to the, the previous 10th. And there's a big secret that, like, there's a big reward, I think. You can get a player, you can get a character that has a gun if you beat it without dying. Oh, that's pretty neat. <laughs> and then you just fucking shoot all the ninjas. And at that point, if you beat it without dying, you deserve the gun in a sword fighting game. Sure. Um, Chrono Trigger. Probably one of the best games ever made. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I could list a lot of games. I play a lot of fucking video games. Uh, Final Fantasy uh, 3, uh, 4, uh, not a big fan of 5, 6, 7, 8, 9... 10. Having the classic consoles come out has let me play a lot of games that I didn't get a chance to play when I was a kid. Sure. Without having to like pay for them or anything because like I hacked my uh my uh SNES classic and I just dumped a ton of fucking games on there. So I'm like revisiting shit like uh uh, what is it? Nevermore. I never played that one. Yeah, it, it's a really, it's a really cool RPG. There's a few other ones too, but I, oh, I also put on the the um, Alien vs Predator arcade game on there and shit. Ooh. Yeah. So it's pretty neat. I, I, I like being able to go revisit those games easily in an emulator format, but also play it through the Super Nintendo, you know what I mean? Yeah, there was a period of time, like, into my teens, I was still remembering Mega Man X passwords, like, I could <laughs> recall them by heart. But we come to our last uh, Patreon question, uh, and this one comes from Jacob Fonsbeck. Hey guys, love everything you're doing, and love when Tony comes to visit. I mean, we all do. So do we. Now you gotta come back again, Tony, mm-hmm. soon. His question is... Is, is the stuff from the titular movie The Stuff really just come dars come? <laughs> you know it is, baby. He's fucking he's they're milking his dick under that ground. Oh my god. <laughs> it's gotta be right. It, I'm just thinking of like the slurm queen from Futurama, <laughs> like this just giant fucking horrible beast. Oh yeah. I, I and then I'm thinking about all these people like eating his cum and turning into fucking zo- uh, zombies. They're, what would you call them instead of stuffies? They're cummies, right? <laughs> yeah. <You know. laughs> Chocolate chip Charlie just fucking throws up cumdar and he like, you know, starts laughing. Yeah. <laughs> As he's as he's flying through that like fucking sound booth. <laughs> I've infiltrated your base or whatever. Jacob, I think you've already uh figured out the joke for that episode when we finally get around to it. You figured it out for us. I mean, we, we probably would have landed there, but uh get get ready for the most predictably immature episode we'll ever do. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of what we do, you know? I know, but that one, like, it's, it's, that is so easily telegraphed. Like, oh, they're gonna do stuff? Yeah, endless cum jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a pretty big one, right? Like, they're, they're just, yeah. That's a movie that's been on the, uh, the quote-unquote list for a while. We just haven't done it yet, so maybe next year. We totally should. Also, I love the idea of, like, somehow Kumdar, like, getting imprisoned in stone or something and, like, can't get out of it, even though he can become, uh, liquid, but, uh, uh, being yeah, being milked by people <laughs> to, for his ju for his cum, and then like what is it like lactate from his nipples? <laughs> I don't know, dude. From his dicks that hang down on his uh on his off his head and his fu- and his actual dong. The whole statue should just be like drippy all the time, like he is, and then it's just like there's constantly cum dripping off of it. He's just the Xeno Queen from Aliens. <laughs> He's just at this big horrifying fucking hive. Oh God! Well, that's what I'm saying. He's all buried, but his like dick is hanging out of the ground, and they're just like. <laughs> milking it. <laughs> 
like a fire hydrant, like just just <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> They're filling up those fucking stuff trucks with his dick. They just plug it right in. We've discovered this fossilized structure. <laughs> I don't know what it does. But it tastes delicious. Or why it was built. Oh, I love the idea of somebody like, hey, there's some white shit coming out of the ground. Let's taste it. <laughs> that guy totally just bends out and starts eating that shit. This is delicious. Mo goes in there, he investigates, and he sees this big fucking Kumdar statue with the fucking stuff getting manufactured out of it. He just shoots himself. <laughs> Dude, now I'm just thinking about, uh, uh, we're going to probably make these jokes again a year from now, but I'm just thinking about the kid when he eats the shaving cream. Like, imagine if he really ate the stuff. It's like he ate Kemdar's, uh... Hey, you know, sometimes you just got to eat some cum. <laughs> Michael, Michael Moriarty's there. He's like, hey, you like the way that tastes? Okay. My God. So, Jacob, uh, there's your answer. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure you already knew what the answer was going to be. He, he he fucking just signed up, and he came out swinging with that one. I like I like him. Yes. I mean, I love you all, but still, that, that was a good one. Way, way to read the room. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's uh, everything for Patreon. We had a stuffed bird this week uh, just in time for uh, Thanks Garbage. So thanks, everyone, for uh, writing in. I actually have a couple emails to read as well. Oh, there you go. Get the fucking cranberries out now. Our first one comes from John Elkin, who has written in before. Um, he says, hello, I hope you're all well. I hadn't listened in a while, so yesterday I sat down for a good binge. Well, thank you. Thoroughly enjoy- enjoyable, although I felt an odd rush of sympathy for Clint Howard. <laughs> I wonder why. You may be among the first. Definitely, definitely not Leonardo. Leonardo's like, what, what sympathy? Fuck him. Let's put bugs inside of him. <laughs> well, here it comes. He says, uh, I got over it pretty quickly and thought jiggers. <laughs> I'm not Currently a, a Patreon subscriber, so I won't ask questions, but in answer to the question, what should Clint Howard be infested by, I would like to submit Jiggers. Is he talking, are Jiggers the same thing as Chiggers? Hang on. What is a Jigger? He said, because he says, I was going to include a link, but that's something you should decide to look at rather than having it thrown at you. Oh, oh, in that case, challenge accepted. Okay, he says, go to YouTube and enter Jigger removal for a taste of what's in store. For Mr. Howard. Oh, fuck this. They are fleas and oh no. No thanks. Holy shit. This is why I didn't look it up. I waited for one of you guys to. You know, what's that phobia called where you can't look at things with holes in it? Uh, Holophobia? There's a a specific name for it, but like... Oh, I don't know. (laughs) It's that kind of triggering where it's just these things are... Nope. I'm good. I'm good. Never looking that up again. So, in other words, my fiance Julie would love it, is what you're telling me. Yeah. Uh, I sure. I don't know. She likes to watch like the pimple popping videos and the in the bot fly removals and stuff. I mean, there's th- there's that aspect, but there's also what happens when you take them all out. Oh yeah, it's just a crater. It's just lots of crevices, and no thanks. I'm good. But put those all over uh, Clint Howard. Is that what he's saying? That's what he's saying. He's gonna he's gonna give them all to to Clint. Turn him into a fucking honeycomb. <laughs> He says, anyway, sorry uh, to be late to the party. Thanks and take care. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate you writing in again. Thank you. And then uh, we have my favorite email that we've gotten so far. <laughs> this is a good one. This man names himself only, a, or it could be a woman or anything in between, uh, as Blues's Reviews. Hey, guys, please refer to me as Blues. It's my online handle, and I just not want people to know my real name, but I wanted to share with you guys how I found your podcast because I think it's a pretty unique story. And again, thank you for reviewing Devin's Ghost. I know you all hated it, but I find it funnier <laughs> than the room. Than the room. This fucking movie keeps coming up lately. I don't know why. I, it, 
it's just so it's just mostly boring. It is funny though. Like the again, I think we said to watch a best of best of uh, clip. Yeah. Uh, show on like YouTubers thing. I you know I will like that. There's been some time between that. Like I can't say I really hate it anymore, especially considering what some of the stuff we watched. Like it offers a brand new perspective. Sure, sure. Pluto Nash. Yeah, exactly. But like that movie is fucking hilarious at times because some of the stuff that happens is so out of nowhere and so unexpected like once you're watching a slasher film and they just break into a full-on matrix fight sequence you're like okay uh, with actors from the power ranger series with exactly it's, it's definitely one of those things where it's like just youtube the fight scenes because they're kind of fun but the rest of the movie is ass yeah please watch the finale uh the, the climax where the the black ranger is covered in blood and drop kicks a man off a cliff it's the, it's the fucking best johnny young bosch is a fucking treasure in that film yes so he goes on with anyway on with the story so about three years ago which is how long we've been doing the show <laughs> uh, i wanted to start a podcast where i talked about movies i enjoyed but didn't have the attention i thought they deserved most of these are very low budget and a lot of which you guys have done by now. But for the better part of like three months, I was trying to think of a name and slogan and then the perfect name popped into my head. Movie Dumpster. <laughs> where one man's trash is another man's treasure. So I go on Google and Apple Podcasts to see if it was taken. Google had no results at the time. So just to be sure, I checked iTunes and there you guys were. I think I was about three or four episodes in, so I thought, <laughs> I'm going to listen to these guys and see if they're any good. And if you guys sucked, I was going to take the name right from underneath you. <laughs> but we all see where that plan ended up. Oh, my God. Still waiting on that Pinocchio's Revenge review, by the way, and congrats on getting a hun getting to 100 episodes. To close out, I'd like to recommend some of the, some more movies I'd like to see you review eventually. Bad Kids Go to Hell, Bad Kids of Crestview Academy, Dead End... Dolly Dearest, which is definitely on the docket at some point. Uh, the Editor, Vampire's Kiss, Student Bodies. Oh, Vampire's Kiss, we gotta do it, please. Yeah, no, sure. Uh, student Bodies is a good one, too. Uh, the Woods, The Wicked, Going Back, Running Time, Rookie of the Year, which hmm. we are most certainly doing next year. <laughs> uh, Shrink, if you know what I did last Friday the 13th. Okay, I just wanted to comment on that one real quick. Wasn't that like a fucking made-for-USA spoof movie that wasn't scary movie, but it was some other bullshit and like Tom Arnold's in it or whatever? I definitely remember it being made for TV. Yeah. Oh, if Tom Arnold's in it, maybe it might be up our alley. Fang, bring him back into the fold. It's possible. I got to see how much of a part he plays in it again. Pro probably one minute. Rat Race which <laughs> I love rat race. <laughs> yeah, the the original like it's a mad 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 world or the this this stupid ass one with Mr. Bean and John Cleese. They're both good for different reasons. Sure. Yeah, and John Cleese is off his fucking rocker in that movie. It's amazing. I'll say this, like that is a pretty good movie. I, I mean, I don't think it's a classic or anything personally, but it's not really I mean, I guess I wouldn't say 100% we wouldn't do it, but it's not necessarily in the vein of the type of stuff we do on this show but but a lot of those other ones yeah definitely yeah and he closes out with and if you're not opposed to foreign films versus uh so a couple things we may or may not be doing a an entire uh month dedicated to foreign films next year also <laughs> when we were forming this podcast i've told 
some of the story before where I was going to do a show with Sean, I was going to do a show with Connor separately, and then we all kind of came together and made this show. But when I remember specifically like talking about names, you know, how could we, uh, you know, what, what would encompass the show where it wasn't like, you know, we hated any of these movies, but was broad enough to where we could kind of do anything in the bad movie realm, whether it be horror or, or action or whatever, um, and still be able to have the opinion of, oh, we really liked it or we really didn't like it, right? And um, we initially came up with Movie Dump. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I th- there was somebody else that had Movie Dump or there was there was like a website that existed. It was either, yeah, it was Movie Dump or Film Dump. It was like close enough. They were like, ah. I don't know if we want to go with that. Film dumpster is totally a thing. It's like a blog or some shit. But we were like, whatever, you know, who cares? Because it's different enough, you know? Yeah, and sometimes you'll see online. I mean, anytime you're doing a project like this, if you Google a name, it's like, okay, well, either these people are active and they have a thing... Or, oh, well, they have a name and they haven't done anything with it in two years. Now, Movie Dumpster, nobody had done anything with uh, at all at the time, but... Uh, nobody had, nobody did Movie Dumpster, I don't think, at all. It was, the the, the, uni- the name itself is its own thing, but Film Dumpster specifically, um, they cover, like, new movies. Yeah, that sounds right. I remember, like, I remember when, I, when we were researching and making sure um, everything, you know, was copacetic uh, with the direction we wanted to go in with the show and like the name and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, here we are three years later and, uh, I guess we don't suck question mark. <laughs> I, that is my favorite part of the story is that like, he was like those bastards. Well, they better be funny. And it's like, like two episodes later, he's like, they're so lucky. Like <laughs> <laughs> they're so lucky. They're funny. <laughs> so I guess, uh, thank you for the backhanded compliments and, um, slightly sour grapes. Hey, but they, but they listen, you know, they asked for that Pinocchio's revenge review. So, uh, we got them on the hook. Sure. Um, it's coming. Don't, don't worry that, that, uh, that's going to be kicking up. We like to plan our movies, obviously, as, um, everybody's been following, you know, we have our MD guide at the, at the top of each month to tell you what's coming. Uh, we'd like to kind of plan it out and, and pick movies that kind of mesh well together, whether it be for, uh, themes or the weather or how they make us feel in general, or, you know, for specific event months, right? Try to make that fun for you and, and have that flow nice and hit you with uh, some good stuff. So stay tuned. Yes. But uh, thank you, Blues Reviews. Yeah, I'm also very amused by the idea of someone doing like a rage-induced podcast binge. <laughs> I'm so mad I'm going to listen to this podcast. You're like, I'll let me just fucking listen to all this shit. <laughs> I hate you because you're great. Damn you. Honestly, this is like a really like it's a it's a very sincere like like pseudo review of the show. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like it. Like I love it a lot. <laughs> Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And yeah, so that's all of the emails, and we appreciate you guys writing in. And please, um, if you want to uh, write into us, join up for that. You know, sign up for that Patreon. Write us an email. Let us let us know. Send us a message, and we'll uh, we'll read it on air for you. But without further ado, let's talk. Babes in Toyland, a.k.a. March of the Wooden Soldiers. I don't know when... This, I, I, so this is the big thing that I didn't look up for this. I don't know when this became a, 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 a Thanksgiving tradition. I guess because that's when it came out, right? Like, around the same time? And again, 85th uh, anniversary is tomorrow. But is it still being played 
every year? Like, cause I, I, I know it was like shown on TV for years and years and years, decades, really on th- on Thanksgiving. Thank God, because it's just like Great Pumpkin or you know Charlie Brown Christmas or or Christmas Story, you know, shit like that. Oh yeah. As far as I know. On, on cable TV, they, they play it, yeah. I mean, me and Joe go back and forth every other year with, uh, you know, pictures of the fucking movie. Whoever gets to it first. Yeah, literally every Thanksgiving, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this Thanksgiving, too, when we're spinning it, uh, at, you know. But, uh, yeah, we always we always text each other, you know, pictures and, and good night, Stanny, good night, I'll, you know, like clip, like uh, stuff from the movie and stuff. Big bait catches big rat. It's a, it's a big, it, I guess what I'm saying is it's a big deal, and... Uh, um, you know, just just like growing up with Sean, they've always been like big parts of our individual families, and we kind of like connected on that. So that's that's kind of neat because this film is like huge was a huge deal like this had to be on this has to be on it still does (laughs) has to be on uh during the morning of thanksgiving you know you have your little cinnamon rolls you have your breakfast you watch fucking march of the wooden soldiers and then you cook all day and you drink and you you hang out you know yeah and i'll uh i'll put it this way this is like the only enjoyable pop culture bonding i've had with my mother ever because she's the one who introduced me to this oddly enough well that's pretty special man yeah we'll talk i'll talk more about it later but like we used to uh my uncle always used to host thanksgiving and christmas um and we'd go to his house and the entire family got together and you know we'd watch march of the wooden soldiers for thanksgiving um and we watched the alistair sims uh, christmas carol for christmas so there was lots of belligerent, you know, it's a, it's a big Italian family, so there was lots of, like, belligerent, like, singing of the songs and stuff, so it's it's very, like, ingrained into my childhood, this film, and all the silliness of it, and I absolutely uh, adore it. Well, do we want to talk a little bit about, uh, so we'll do some trivia stuff? Yeah, I got, uh, uh, I didn't do too much. Uh, mostly my curiosity was, uh, was kind of heightened by the assumption that these guys, uh, I, I, for some reason, imagine one of them lived really hard. Turns out both of them did. Laurel and Hardy, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Laurel and Hardy. Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. For for all you youngins that, that have not seen uh, any of their, their comedic bits, they were a huge uh, duo in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. They were giants. They were pop culture giants. They were 100, uh, 107 films together, I believe. Insane. That's insane. Yeah. They were active for decades, but they also apparently smoked like uh, freight train smokestacks is what someone described them as. <laughs> oh, my God. And Oliver Hardy had a heart attack and then three strokes and then he had a blood clot and died. And that is Ugh. the fucking worst way I could imagine someone be going out. Jeez. And- yeah, that's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, that is awful. I don't want to be morbid, but yeah, I thought that was uh, like I got to that section of the wiki. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Stan Laurel was very sick, too, wasn't he? Towards the end there. Yes. And actually, he his doctor recommended him to not go to the funeral because of how poor health he was. Really? Yeah. Um, But yeah, massive comedy, uh, like Three Stooges, you know, kind of level of stuff. Physical slapstick comedy is not something you really see anymore. And if it is, it's pretty bad. It's nothing like this. I mean, the timing, the jokes, it they just work so well. In some cases, the very real physical peril and or da- like just damage they take. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Well, it's like you're coming off that silent era where everything's over-exaggerated and that's how you're, mm-hmm. you know, theatrically taught. Yeah. And uh, they just kind of leaned into that. Which is crazy because when you th- because they, they, they made the jump. 
from silent films to talkies, which is kind of nuts. Right, exactly. Also, I can't get over how much Steve Coogan actually looks like Laurel. It's the point where, like, I'm watching this movie, I'm like, God, they're identical. Like, just in their delivery and the way their faces are shaped, it's frightening. Man, I still need to see that, and I was trying to make time to watch uh, Stan and Ollie uh, before this, but I, I just I just couldn't squeeze it in. So that's definitely on the list. Uh, what, um, John C. Riley uh, uh, plays uh, Oliver Hardy. Yes. And Steve Coogan plays uh, uh, Stan Laurel. But yeah, um, that was really all I looked up. Sorry to be that morbid and just go right to how they died. <laughs> You're good. So another thing about them is like they had done tons of films before they actually got together and became a duo which was kind of nuts to me and i think they got hooked up uh, by hal roach because he signed them both individually now hal roach is the guy responsible for uh, our gang the little rascals oh you don't say is that why one of the directors d- directed like 30 fucking our gang episodes that's right gus mains or mines i believe i believe it's mains gus mains uh chiefly directed uh our gang and the other um director charlie rogers did our gang and all of the laurel and hardy uh, you know shorts it's almost like they're john cherry and he was also apparently a simple simon in this movie there you go went uncredited if you want a fun rabbit hole to fall down look up just like how the film industry spent years doing our gang ripoffs and then their ripoffs would get too old but they'd keep them all together. It's really interesting. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's intense. I mentioned earlier about this film, film's title change. It was Babes in Toyland, and then I, I think the rights lapsed or some something was sold and or bought or what have you, but some other company took the film, retitled it, cut out some parts, um, and that's March of the Wooden Soldiers. So, th- like, there's a couple songs cut out of that release and then later the name just stuck because then it became March of the Wooden Soldiers but then later they reincorporated uh the other uh songs and scenes and stuff so the one the the, the one we watched as kids is the full complete version and even in the beginning of, of that the title card if you see the title cards it doesn't say March of the Wooden Soldiers it says it says uh Victor Herbert's Babes in Toyland, and then the fucking book opens up and shit, so. Well, it depends on what version you watch, because I I watched the Amazon Prime digital copy, and it was, like, this really bad graphic, but it was, like, clearly done, like, in the last five years in the beginning, like, so-and-so presents March of the Wooden Soldiers. I was like, okay, where the fuck are uh, the original uh, credits? <laughs> right. And then they, they fade in, and then I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was originally shot, shot in sepia, which is kind of crazy, and then, like, the black and white versions... On on a black and white TV, the sepia didn't come through because it was black and white. You know what I mean? But, like, subsequent versions now are just black and white because of the grading they did for it. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I think both versions personally look great. Oh, agreed. I mean, I think the black and white looks great. I think the colorization looks great. I mean, sure, it's one of the few movies that got a colorization that it's like you, you, you think about it and you're like, you know, with the... Uh, the visual sticks out in your mind. Some other movies, you know, where they did the similar technique, I just feel like don't don't work as well, and I feel like that's why you don't see that a ton. Sure, yeah. In this movie's case, the coloring process only heightens some of the more nightmarish qualities of this movie. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. But I remember watching this uh, a ton as a kid. On It was probably my dad's Betamax player, honestly, in, in black and white. And I remember one key scene, it's not till later in the movie, maybe this is one of the ones that was cut out, or maybe that's just the tape my dad had, but the Sandman scene, mm-hmm. nowhere to be found. And then years later, saw it on a VHS release, and we were like, huh, 
the hell? That's the that's what I'm talking about. That whole that whole song, uh, go to sleep. That was totally cut out. <laughs> okay, right, right. Yeah. Um, for that for that release, which is crazy. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie too, because I think it's unintentionally hilarious. Uh, I love it. We'll get to it. And we'll want to give a plot crunch to this movie. Uh, an, an old evil man named Barnaby wants to groom uh Bo Peep uh and marry her. Uh, hang on, I'll get there. <laughs> Yeah, this old rich asshole basically wants to uh, marry Bo Peep, and he's kind of holding the mortgage of the uh, woman who lives in a shoe with so many children she didn't know what to do. And Laurel and Hardy are kind of your uh, your dopey heroes who are trying to uh, save uh, Bo Peep and save the house. Yep. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell, for sure. They, uh, <laughs> dope, dopey is the key word there. <laughs> yeah, and then in between lots of surreal, bizarre, uh, and charming sequences occur i don't know what to call them because it's like a series of sketches essentially it doesn't really feel like a movie it feels like a like a variety show yeah we were talking about that because it's like part musical part comedy sketch and they're just kind of woven together you know yeah because it's like there's this whacked out fucking you know fantasy land of toyland where it's these ridiculous structures and there's a giant fucking shoe and there's a terrifying version of mickey mouse running around oh my god okay (laughs) that is a monkey in a Mickey Mouse costume. Yep. Was it always a monkey? Because, like, later on, he's doing pretty intricate shit. It was always a monkey. Oh, my God. It's never a puppet? It's, uh, I don't think it's ever a puppet. It's a fucking monkey in a Mickey Mouse costume. Huh. I think the autonomous nature of the monkey is what makes it so terrifying, because it's just doing what it wants. I mean, you also have to remember, this is, like, th- 1934, and unfortunately, they uh, didn't have animal rights laws or anything, so who, God knows what they did to this fucking poor chimp to get it to do what they wanted it to sure well i think it was like one of those like outbreak monkeys you know <laughs> no seriously <laughs> i forget what the fuck no they're yeah called. yeah yeah like from ace ventura it definitely wasn't cybo man yeah <laughs> god imagine cybo man in that role barnaby would never be a problem no well you know those boogeymen they would have been just getting dropped uh those uh firecrackers on them to be fucking actual grenades <laughs> um Quick aside, I, I just remembered a bit of trivia that I had read. Um, Hal Roach had, like, put that, like, had the mouse look like Mickey Mouse because, like, I think Disney had just um, opened or was about to open or he knew Walt Disney or some shit like that. I can't remember what it was, but anyway, it was like, hey, look, the fucking mouse looks like Mickey Mouse. Get it? It's a monkey in a suit. There you go. Oh, so it was more of, like, a, a cheeky nod than it was, like, an official version because I was very confused by it. Yeah, it's it's not a ripoff. It's just, like, a in-joke kind of thing. Man, it is scary. I love it, dude. And this is why Disney has had copyright laws go to shit for the last, like, 80 years is because of this fucking movie. You think, really? I, I mean, I'm I'm being a little facetious oh, okay. here. I have no actual <laughs> idea, but it could be like, Walt Disney's like, that motherfucker got away with it and marched the wooden soldiers, and we ain't gonna let this happen ever again. Yeah, so let's not pay the people from that we, uh, when we absorbed Lucasfilm, all the people that did wrote the expanded universe shit. <laughs> well, uh... No, I think that Oswald is one of the reasons why Disney is so stingy with their IPs. The rabbit, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. I doubt it was March of the Wooden Soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably uh, more accurate for sure. But we we open up the book uh, literally to this movie and uh, Mother Goose comes out of the book. Which is pretty neat because they're doing this rear projection thing where she's like flipping the pages and like we're seeing... Uh, the different characters in the story, like whatever, whatever, as Bo Peep and Stan, you know, Oliver Hardy and, and Stan Laurel as Ali D and Standy Dumb. Yeah, and I want to take a minute to compliment the production, de- like design and quality, because 
when this initially zoomed in, I thought it was just an actual real world book. And then it opened and a person stepped out. I was like, oh, you had me. Yeah, it's well made. It's impressive, um, some of the stuff in this. Yeah, guys, as we get into it, there is a lot of uh, people in this town, all actors and whatnot, the sets. It is unreal how much effort is involved in this production. I'm just thinking about stuff like... They couldn't be fucked to give Sam Jackson a real gun in one of the in one of the Marvel movies. They just CGI'd in later. And here you have them build a stupid building for all these fucking nursery rhymes. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Once we come to Toyland in the book, it like zooms in, right? And they show you all of Toyland. Yes. Everyone's dancing and singing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Toyland, Toyland. They we like push through the gates of Toyland, and it's this giant set. With all of these different storybook characters doing little things here and there. It's a production, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? There's no CGI set extensions and shit. Like, this is a giant soundstage with all these people and buildings. Yeah, and there's nobody who's doing nothing. Like, it's just everything is moving all at the same time. Right. We're, like, going past all the different people, and and, uh, we see all the different uh, nursery rhymes and or storybook uh, fairy tale characters. There's one guy fucking uh, fishing in the in this pond in the front and he like pulls out a fucking boot i thought that was funny <laughs> the guy sticking his his uh thumb in the pie oh yeah Whee! my favorite is uh little miss muffet because it's the most unsubtle thing in the world like it's just a girl eating something and then like a spider on a literal string falls down she's like she screams bloody murder and runs away i love the three little pigs every time they show them they like oh yeah they have this soundtrack that plays throughout the movie that i i personally kind of love yeah who's afraid of the big bad wolf oh yes every time you get the uh the little pigs it goes into that big bad wolf music and they're playing it on their little violin oh it's great and flute and those pigs are terrifying oh they're scary as fuck they're like latex masks <laughs> and they they move all weird and it's like little people in fat suits it's weird yeah 1934 by the way <laughs> i when they made movies in the 30s and 40s it just blows my mind what they were able to accomplish it's it's, it's really mind-boggling well also just the insane things that they would come up with for like special effects and makeup like wasn't there a story about um Lon Chaney tying piano wire around his head for Fam in the Opera. Yeah, they, they did some crazy shit. Yeah, that's that's insane. Even the puppetry, like, uh, I think, the, oh, I forget what, it's a, it's Alice in Wonderland, I believe it's from 1919 or 1920, uh, it's a silent film, but, like, the puppets in that fucking film are insane, like, they're, they blink and their mouths move and all kinds of shit, like like early animatronics stuff. It's pretty impressive. Well, that's like I watched the uh, Invisible Man, the original. Oh, it's so good. Claude Rains, baby. And it's like, I know how they did all those uh, effects of him being invisible, but you got to just think, like, holy shit, how you had to go about that. And how many takes. Like splicing literal film together when you don't even know what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. Movies of this era, like... I think Dr. Caligari is like the other example I can think of where sure you have movies made with a certain production, you know, design and budget that create this really surrealist looking imaginary world that is no way like ours, but it's tangible. Like Metropolis is known too. like the set design of Metropolis is fucking bonkers. Yeah. I mean, the obvious one, of course, is Wizard of Oz. But yeah, uh, this I don't know, just really well done in this film. God, Wizard of Oz is such a great fucking film. Yeah. But yeah, you go around town, like Joe was saying, you you see all these different uh, fairy book 
uh, characters. You see the cat. I love the cat. Just a guy in a cat suit, but it's a, it looks cool. I don't know. It is it is also scary. <laughs> hey, diddle diddle the cat in the fiddle. Right. Hey, diddle diddle the cat in the fiddle. And and the Mickey Mouse is constantly fucking with this cat. He throws a brick at him, hits him in the head. Dude. <laughs> He drops a brick on this fucking cat's head like three times, and it's funny every time. All the all the all the uh, the hits are foleyed in with like somebody smacking two pieces of wood together. It's fucking great. Yes, yes. Also, it's this expressionless little like imp throwing these fucking <laughs> these bricks at this man in a cat suit. First of all, you should watch this movie. Period. But like, if you just want to see this thing, like, just look up March of the Wooden Soldier's mouse. Uh, it's surreal to see this thing walk around and move. I I showed the Phantom Zone guys, and Lou went, fire was created to kill things like this. <laughs> then, then we cut to our protagonist sleeping in bed. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they have this feather going back and forth. Stanny, Stanny uh, D and Ollie Dumb. Or is it vice versa? Ollie D, Stanny Dumb? Yeah, I think so. And uh, the feather's going back and forth. It, you know, it's that age-old gag, and then eventually it goes down Stanny's throat, and he's like, oof! He gets he, he starts laughing because like the feathers tickling him inside. And then Ollie wakes up and they're in the same bed for some reason. They don't ever explain that. That was a thing. That was like like it was fine. Like it, you know what I mean? All right. They just like assume people don't think about it because they're you know brainless morons. They're like okay, they're just in the bed together because it was easier to do the shoot that way. Oh, what are they gay? And it's like no, they're not gay. They're just sleeping in a bed together because you can do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're just heterosexual life partners. Right. Well, no, I get what you're saying, Joe. It's just... But it's funny when I see it in a film from the 30s, and then, like, in the 90s, it's like, oh, you're sleeping in bed with another guy? Right. Anyway. And then he uh, he swallows it, and uh, the scene kind of moves on. They're both awake now. That's the important <laughs> thing. Well, they're fucking late for work, dude, because we cut to uh, the old woman who lives in a shoe that had so many fucking children, she didn't know what to do, but she also has a teen daughter... And two 40-year-old sons. <laughs> they're not even sons. I feel like they're, like, people that, like, wandered into town one day and they couldn't get any other job. And they're like, hey, Mama Peep, I know you already got 100 kids, but you got an extra spare room to you can rent out to you guys? Of course I do. I have 100 kids. By the way, Bo Peep's mother is the old woman who lives in the shoes. She's one of the so many kids she didn't know what to do. And her name is Peep, Miss, Miss Peep, or Mama Peep, or whatever the fuck. Mother Peep, Mama Peep, they call her a few times. Yeah. yeah I, I wanted to talk about that because, like, they come down. Oh my god, this is such a good bit because like uh, Oliver Hardy comes downstairs and he's like, "Hello, Grandma." He goes like, "Hey, Mother Peep, how you doing?" Or whatever. And she's like, "Oh, Barnaby came." Oh right, yeah, because Barnaby comes over, makes himself known. Oh my god! Before we meet Laurel and Hardy, we were introduced to Barnaby, Silas Barnaby, this fucking evil slinky of a man. God, he amuses the shit out of me. Oh, he's great because he starts harassing Mama, and then he moves on to Bo Peep because he's like, "Yeah, Mama Peep." If you don't pay that mortgage payment, the house is mine. Don't forget. She's like, he's like, where is your lovely little daughter? I want to see her. She's like, ah, she's in the back with her sheep. Just don't forget to close the gate because otherwise they'll get out. And guess what he does? Leaves that fucking gate open. Oh, yeah. He doesn't give two shits. She was going to lose those sheep anyway. That's what she does. This fucking guy. And it's all Barnaby's fault. Yeah. It, this fucking guy is the is grade A fucking creep. He goes up to this woman and he's like, hello, my pretty little but the cup is like, uh, he says some shit like, uh, you're looking delicious or some shit. And she's like, thanks for the flowers, Mr. Barnaby. Uh, leave me alone now. And he's like, wait a minute. What do you say? 
uh, we get married because you're delicious and I've been looking at you since you were young, but now you've come of age and I'm an old man, an old creep that uh, wants to make uh, you his bride. And I'm rich. Did I say I'm rich? I'm rich. You bleed down there, correct? Oh, oh my geez. goodness. That means you're fertile. That means you can marry me. <laughs> I have the papers already written up. Just sign here. I have to have someone to pass off my half goat jeans to. <laughs> He's fucking Wilbur Waitley, dude. He is a satyr, okay? He is all bent over. He walks funny. He's got ridiculous facial hair. I mean, he's like the crooked man, right? I would think so, yeah. Okay, I'm convinced. He's an H.P. Lovecraft uh, antagonist. Well, sure. My favorite part of this whole uh, sequence is when she says, like, I wouldn't date you if you were young or if you were, uh, or I wouldn't marry if you were young or if you were uh, nice or whatever or, or poor. And he physically recoils at this as if he just stepped on a fucking lego it's the funniest fucking thing he's having he's reacting to these these verbal jar like you know barbs as if he's being physically struck she goes she goes i wouldn't care if you fucking died tomorrow and he's like oh my goodness well you gotta think about it this way too in this like toy land he is like the only like pos in the whole land yeah (laughs) He's the only guy that's a problem, and everyone just kind of puts up with it. His occupation is villain. <laughs> Basically, yeah. That's his day job. Bad guy. He also makes some weird comment when he's like, oh, well, you'll come around, my child. And I'm like, if you're referring to the woman you want to marry as a child, um... Oh, right. Red flag, red flag. That's your subconscious talking to you. Exactly. Also, yeah... Uh, that part of this movie hasn't aged well, but also it was eighty-five fucking years ago. Well, no, I mean that's fine. It's he's still you're still a fucking creep no matter what, and the, and the movie's like this guy's a creep. <laughs> I don't want us to look like we just glossed over that. <laughs> no, sure. I think it's funny later too because Tom Tom's like, you know, you're really pretty, um, and I'm gonna put you in the stocks until you tell me that you want to be with me, okay? Even though you think I'm handsome and do want to be with me, I'm still gonna hold you against your will until you say yes. <laughs> it's the thirties. Go to sleep. But before we get to Tom Tom and his beautiful voice, <laughs> we, we do get to uh, Oliver Hardy, uh, like Joe started to set up there, where he's coming down the stairs. Yeah. And Mama's like, oh, yeah, Barnaby was here. He's going to take the house. And Ollie's like, well, just uh, just wait for Stanny. We can solve this. And you hear a big crash upstairs, <laughs> fucking window breaking. And you're like, oh, what the hell is that? And Stanny walks through the front door. He's like, "What? where did you come from? He's like, I took the window. He goes, how did you get down here? And he goes, I fell out the window. Fell out the window. <laughs> what was he? <laughs> okay. My headcanon is that he's just impervious to all physical harm. So he just sure. <laughs> just like bumbles his way through life. Oh, it's so good. And he's like, oh, I forgot something upstairs. And I'm like. <laughs> that just brings the fucking joke full circle because he falls out the fucking window. But uh, but yeah, Mother Mother Peep uh, can't afford the um, the rent or the mortgage rather. So Ollie's like, oh yeah, go get my money box. You know, I, we'll take care of this. <laughs> and 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 Stanley comes down <laughs> knowing full well what's in there. Let's him open it and everything. He, he pulls it out. It's like one of those gags where it's like a close up so you can read the letter and it says I owe you a dollar seventy five. And Stanley's just like, oh, I borrowed it. And he's like, I know you borrowed it. He's like, what? He's like, what for? And he's like, I had to buy more peewees. Peewees are these weird sharpened pegs that he carries around in a bag. Yeah. uh, That he can use as boomerang, seemingly. They're like 
darts that you knock off the ground and hit, like, they're fucking, uh, pro- they're projectile weapons, put it that way. Yeah. But, yeah, Ollie's like, okay, well, even though I only had, like, a dollar seventy, I could have contributed to your mortgage payment. <laughs> Maybe that's how much it costs. I mean, it's the, it's the 30s, it's more money than, uh, we, we would expect now, but it's still not like it's gonna pay a mortgage payment. No. Um, he's like, well, uh, yeah, well, me and the, uh, toy maker, you see, the master, uh, we're like this. <laughs> We're, we're tight, so I'll just ask him for the money. Mind you, I mean, seeing the movie, you know, close to 100 times now, I know where this is going, but if you if this is your first viewing, you're like, okay, yeah, Ollie, Ollie could get this taken care of. Miss Peep, no problem. Sure. She puts her full confidence in this guy. Um, Real quick before we move on, this is what I'm talking about, because he makes some shit, he, he says some shit here like, oh, well, you've been so hospitable to us that, you know, I'll give you my life savings or whatever. And I'm like, wait a second. You don't pay the rent and you're not her son? You just you just live here in the shoe? That's what I'm saying. He's just some, like, vagabond that, you know, she felt bad for her, him and Stanny and they, they, they ended up in town. You know, they, they ended up in Whole Cake Island. Big Mom caught him. She stuck him in a book. <laughs> And uh, you know, they're on a shelf in, you know, Babes in Toyland. They're trying to find their way out. Makes sense. Mama Peep's like, I'm taking care of a large page boy and a man who was kicked by a mule. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just like there to hang out or whatever. And they're like really close with Bo Peep too, even though they're not her brothers. Right. I guess. So they're going to go to work and, and, you know, the whistle goes off. So they're already fucking late for work. What do they do? They bullshit with these peewees for another five minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, Ollie is pissed off because he's like, "When well, you fucking spent all my money. What the fuck's a peewee? What are you talking about? Well, sure, sure. And he's like, I'll show you. So Stan uh, puts down one of these things and like, he he has a stick, right? And you hit this thing with a stick. It like flips up in the air and then you hit it. And then, it, you know, it flies away and then like boomerangs back into your hand. Or something. Uh, also, he, he never misses and it's amazing. I was going to bring that up later because we're <laughs> filming him real time hitting things and he cracks it every time. He's got the sniper feet straight up. Sure does. He uh, So he hits one and like Joe said, he hits one and it flies back. And... Uh, Ollie's like, yeah, I could do it, no problem. <laughs> Stan's like, nope. And he fucking whacks this thing about 30 times. He starts hitting, like, the fucking shrubs to the left of it. He can't get any air on, and he gets pissed. He's like, all right, whatever. And then Stan, he's like, yeah, okay, watch. Watch a pro. And he hits this thing, and it just fucking flies through the air and knocks Barnaby's hat off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then he, but then he fucking... Like, all four of his limbs go all the way out, and he throws himself face-first into a garden. He's like a soccer player trying to get a red flag. I fucking love this dude. He walks over to Stan and Ollie. He has Stan hold his cane, and then he proceeds to pull out the fucking mustache hair on Ollie's face, and then just, like, sprinkles it on the ground. <laughs> he's such a polite bad guy, because he when he takes the cane back from Stan, he's like, thank you, and he just, like, walks away. Yeah. I love it. And he, and he breaks, like, uh, Ollie's, like, uh, lunchbox stick. <laughs> like, the one to hold his lunch. His fucking bindle stick. Yeah, not Stanny's. 
Ollie's. <laughs> and then St- and then Stanny puts like licks his finger and puts it on the fucking hairs on the ground and tries to like reapply it and Ollie's like, "Ah, get the hell off of me." Oh, it's so fucking good. And I and I apologize to you guys at home cuz there is a lot of physical stuff. Uh that's what these guys are known for. Oh yeah, we can't do it. It's like it's like talking about Jim Varney or or like uh Rob Williams or like even even a uh, Jim Carrey. You you can only really convey so much via audio. You really need to see it. Yeah, like there's no way I can truly justify like how barnaby expresses you have to see it but also i love the idea that you can you can really like explaining the mustache bit i think is very clear because like how petty is that because that hurts so fucking bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he just <laughs> i did the, the topper is though stanny trying to reapply it with his finger that that t- that puts it over the edge that's the fucking punchline dude is licking it licking his finger and trying to put it back on his face. So then they go into this toy shop, and they're already, they're late as fuck. You know, it's almost lunchtime just about. Yeah, George Kennedy's there fucking writing books or whatever. Yeah, and they're, they're trying to sneak in. And, of course, they, uh, they, they bump into the loudest thing possible, and uh, the music's like, do 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 And then the fucking toy maker turns around and he's like, ah, you're late again. Get to work, you fuck. I love their factory voice, uh, you know, factory, like, GM voice boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only thing he missed him was a cigar, honestly. Yeah, and, like, a hard hat. He looks like a shriveled George Kennedy. He does. <laughs> he kind of does, yeah. I didn't know where you were going with the George Kennedy reference at first, but yeah. No, it's not actually George Kennedy in the film, though. Like, if his head was deflated. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody put him in a dehydrator? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Him coming out of the sauna, they they said, all right, get on the march set quick. <laughs> uh, and he's like, yeah, if you're late again, you're fired. So this must have been going on for a while. Yeah. And, and like, Ollie thinks full well he's going to just ask him for this money and he's going to, you know, right. give it to him. And Stanny keeps bringing it up. He's like, yeah, so you're going to ask for the money? He's like, yeah, maybe now's not a good time there, Stan. He's like, yeah, but 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 Mama Pete needs it. He goes, why don't you ask him? You know, he like he likes you better. He told me he did. And he's like, really? And he's like, mm, absolutely. And then standing like yells over to the guy, he's like, he's like, oh, master. He's like, what? He's like, Ollie wants to ask you something. <laughs> and then Ali's, Ollie starts to talk, and uh, I forget exactly how we get from point A to point B, but he never actually gives him the money. No. And then they're they're like painting these toys. And the master, as they keep referring to him as the master, like this is the fucking end boss from Fallout 1. They call me master. He uh, he's like gets pissed and he takes like this fucking rubber mallet and he slams it on the table like, enough! Get back to work! And uh, Stanny drops this toy train he's working on and it just starts rolling forward into this lacquer and just pushes <laughs> the fucking bucket of lacquer onto this guy's lap. Dude, it gets all over the fucking books that he's writing, like the like all the inventory books and orders and shit. They should have been fired here. With his demeanor, he would have fucking beat them to death with that mallet. <laughs> he holds back, really. When he get, they get fired for the thing that they probably should have got fired for, but you're right, he could have got rid of them er- way earlier. So Bo Peep loses her sheep, and we're introduced to Tom Tom, the Piper's son. And I guess he's the son of the Piper who, like, the Pied Piper, I guess? Yes. Uh, from the little bit of research I did, that lines up. I like that Tom Tom's supposed to be like around Bo Peep's age, but he looks like he's forty, and she looks like she's nineteen. Yeah. Ah, 
I don't know if I'd say 40, but definitely like oh, he, a 10 or 12 years difference for sure. Especially when you take the hat off, you're like, oh, you're a grown man. He's like, yeah, he's like 26. He's going on 30. Uh, and we get our first song here. And it's like, don't cry, Bo Peep. We will find your sheep. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and they, they goes through the whole fucking thing. Right, he serenades her. Yeah. And all the while, they, they, they interrupt other nursery rhymes in the process of their plot. <laughs> yeah, yes, Jack and Jill. Mary, Mary, cry contrary is one of my favorites because she's like, I don't fucking know what you sheep by leave me alone tending to her garden of oyster shells or whatever yeah jack and jill show up and they're like they're like stop before you go up the hill with your pail of water i don't know bo peep where your sheep are but we don't know where the fuck they are yeah they're all they're all like we ain't found shit (laughs) (laughs) my favorite part of this whole because the whole fucking town is now in looking for bo peep sheep at this point yeah Literally. Looking and singing and serenading. I love the, the guards because they're just like, ba ba ba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randomly just making uh, sheep sounds while these houses open like doll houses and people fucking dance out of them. Again, this was a big thing in, uh, on Thanksgiving when we were all in my uncle's house. We'd all just be yelling this. Or specifically my father. It was hilarious because he would sing every fucking song in the movie and like, go to sleep was like a was like a was like a big thing for years but anyway they're they're like sitting next to a pond or something the old dunk tank yeah the yeah the old dunk pond and uh he's like hello bo he's like he's like oh uh you know i'm very handsome you want me the young handsome striping young man or the old fuck with money <laughs> right uh and she's like well both I'll come have sex with you and take his money. Well, and then, you know, he uh, slips his finger under her dress and we see those feet start flying (laughs) inside those shackles. Uh, he wins her over, I guess, or whatever. Uh, yeah, he's, he pulls it, you know, he's got that wet finger now, and the whole town's behind them watching. Oh, man, how they sneak up on them. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, we saw your slip of the pig in the pig. Okay, get him out of here. And then, uh, you know, they found the sheep. You know, Tom wipes his uh, dirty hand on one of their backs. and uh, <laughs> He's got a big white streak on his fucking green leotard. Yeah, he gives one of those sheep a, uh, you know, curls its hair. <laughs> And uh, everybody's happy. Bo Peep's got her sheep. And then Tom, Tom's like, ah, Toyland, here you go. The future Mrs. Pied Piper. And they all cheer. Listen up. She's going to be my wife, even though she didn't really consent yet, but kind of. I, yeah, that was my thing. He just stands up and announces they're getting married. I'm like, I didn't hear her actually agree to anything. You're just like, we're getting married. She's like, cool. He like kisses her and he's like, wasn't that nice? She's like, yeah. He's like, great, we're married. That's how it works in Toyland. Didn't you get the memo? Since we don't have a priest. <laughs> they have a judge we'll get to. Yeah. And then e- e- even in the scene, everyone starts frolicking. We even see the cat and uh, the fucking Mickey Mouse are dancing and shaking hands. And then eventually, like, you're like, oh, okay, that's nice. And then the mouse, like, moves over to the side and throws a brick at it anyway. Oh, yeah, he bricks that fucking cat again. Th- this is one of those scenes where this fucking monkey in this mouse costume's running and at some point it like runs on all fours and like hops and shit it's creepy and wonderful yeah it's very creepy and then uh we uh look who's here the fat man himself he arrived early yeah sandy claus oh my god the most the most lit santa claus i've ever seen that guy is (laughs) fucking toasted i love how he just walks up and he's just like he's like well um well, you you saw the Christmas that almost wasn't, right? Well, all my elves are dead now, so thank you for making these toys for me, Toy Master. And, uh, yeah, he comes in, and, and they keep calling him Santy. <laughs> oh, 
Hey, Santy, how you doing, Santy? He's like, oh, my two favorite boys, Oliver Hardy and Stan Laurel. Santy's great. He's been in the tequila very hard. I just hit the bowl. <laughs> how do you think I get this red nose? I'm an alcoholic. Where's Sam Whipple when you need him, am I right? Basically, Santa's like, all right, I'm here to check out my order. And uh, Ollie and Stanny go to get it. His uh, wooden soldier order. And the toy maker's like, oh, you're going to love these. This is our best work ever. Yeah, the titular wooden soldiers. Yeah, they bring out one of these six-foot, you know, high soldiers. It's the size of a man. It's a giant toy soldier that's robotic. Yeah, also unintentionally scary. Yeah, which is just like a a dude in makeup and, like, wooden feet. (laughs) Yeah, well, well done, though. Oh, yeah, it's great. And Santa is like, whoa, whoa, what is this? What the fuck is this? I asked for 600 soldiers at one foot high, not 100 soldiers. Soldiers at six foot high. Oh, shit. And Stanny's like, yeah, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I took that order, but uh, it's Ollie's fault. Ollie fucked this up. <laughs> he blames Ollie the rest of the movie. He's like, yeah, it was Ollie's fault. After all of the other shit they do, this is the one that breaks the camel, the sh- that breaks the straw, that, that that breaks the camel's back. Like, the toy maker's like, ah, you're fucking fired. That's it. Get the fuck out of here. We invested in all this AI technology for nothing. <laughs> Oh, Santa Claus is like, I need to take these with me to go fight a demon who keeps droning on and on about being in prison for 66 years. Well, as long as this isn't Santa Goldberg, because then he's going to use this army to take over the world. Yeah, well, he's going to try. Yeah, that's his personal death squad. I mean, it depends on which uh, MDU Santa we're dealing with here. Yeah, there's definitely multiple Santas of different sides. It's like the reign of the Superman from DC. <laughs> They're just Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there's just mo- there's multiple Santas. You got your dark Santa, your light Santa. This Santa is definitely more in line with uh, Christmas that almost was. Santa for sure. That that kind of style of uh, Santa-ing. Oh, yeah. So which one is Cyborg Superman Santa? Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to put this soldier back, and he's like, oh, put this thing back, get the fuck out of here, you're fired. And he's like, okay. So they go to put it back, and they end up fucking it up. And this thing starts walking around the shop, destroying everything. Fucking Santa falls into a drum on his ass. Uh, This thing ends up walking through a fucking wall and, like, out into wherever. Uh, In the Toontown. My favorite part of this whole thing is it takes out a shelf. But the guy playing the wooden soldier never reacts to anything. Yeah. While the real shelf is just crashing on his head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, real professional. Every one of these soldiers, when shit is happening like that around them, they are stone-faced. I'm very impressed. Expressionless. <laughs> and stiff as a fucking board, too. Yep. The one time you want that kind of performance and they nail it. Yeah. Fucking Christian Bale should have took some tips for uh, Equilibrium. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Had to, be, had to be more expressionless. Yeah, put the fucking prosium. That would be an amazing uh, cleric, one of these soldiers. <laughs> Father's like, you're excellent. <laughs> I need a hundred six-foot soldiers. God, you guys are perfect. Why do we even have these? <laughs> what are humans for anyway? What am I paying Christian Bale for? So then we cut to the shoe again, and, and Mother Peep is, uh, I don't know, crying about that she's going to lose her house, but uh, Bo Peep comes in, and she's like, oh, I, Tom Tom asked me to marry him. We're going to get married with your blessing, of course. And she's like, my child, that's great. Thank God it wasn't Barnaby. I was really sweating that one. <laughs> Even though we're not going to have a fucking house to live in tonight, but okay. Oh, wait, here he is. Just walking in, doesn't knock. It's my 
favorite part is he just walks in wherever he wants. He's, well, he's the fucking landlord. <laughs> yeah, and she even says, you got to knock when you walk into my house. He goes, your house? He's like, I believe I own it. I'll get my lawyer, Phineas J. Prune. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be his business partner. Yeah, uh, you know who he is. It's his, uh, it's his Rudy Giuliani. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, God. Prune's fucking hair dyes dripping down the side of his face. <laughs> it won't be Christmas, I don't think. Have you ever seen my cousin Vinny? <laughs> Two youths. So yeah, basically Barnaby's like, yeah, let me marry Bo Peep and I'll give you the mortgage payment or whatever as a, uh, a marriage gift. <laughs> and Mama Peep's like, I would never do that. But she like looks at Bo Peep like, eh? Oh, she thinks about it for a second. It crosses her mind. Would you? Do I give my child's body over to this old, disgusting man <laughs> or not? Let me mull it over. So she's she's just about to maybe maybe give in, but she sees Stan and Ollie coming, and she's like, oh, great. <laughs> they got the money. Everything's going to be fine. So she's like, okay, Mr. Barnaby, you you know, you're, you're fucked because the money's coming right now in full, you disgusting creature. You're about to be pickled. Watch this. <laughs> we get this great face reaction from Barnaby, another great one where he's just like, ooh, like, oh, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> Your goose is cooked, Mr. Barnaby. I want to like I want to be the fly on the wall there when Stan and uh, Ollie are walking home from their job across the street where they got fired from like, "Oh, what the fuck are we going to tell Mrs. Peep?" Oh no. She's really banking on this money. We're like, "Where where where are we going to live?" Here come my freeloaders. Your ass is grass, Barnaby. <laughs> Here come the strangers that live in my attic. So, uh, yeah, they don't have the money. No. And Barnaby's like, well, I I would hope you consider my offer. You got until like 12 o'clock tonight or like the house is mine. It's always a thing, right? Yeah. The foreclosure's happening today. Right. Or the next day. You know, to- double, double toil and trouble comes to mind. Yeah. Barnaby, he has that contract in his back pocket. Sure does. He's talking to Mrs. Peep, or Mother Peep, and uh, Ollie goes to reach in that fucking pocket and gets a fucking rat trap on his finger. The big trap catches the big rat. He's lucky that was one of Grandma's mouse traps, or else he would have lost a hand or a few fingers. Oh, man, if it was one of those bear trap ones Peter Weller had? Fuck it. I sold some I sold some traps to this weird uh, goat guy and came to my apartment. Some pilgrim took all my mouse traps. Now what do I do? Cleet, what do I do now? We got the rubber gloves. <laughs> you got, I told you about the fucking gloves and you didn't get them. Um, and then we get this classic line drop. Big bait catches big rat. And, uh, Ollie, ke- Ollie takes that one to heart. He's like, all right, I gotta write that down. I'm gonna get this motherfucker back. Uh, full circle, baby. And, uh, Barnaby leaves with that threat looming over their head. So, they're, like, making fun of him and shit. And he's still, like, hanging outside the door and stands, like, saying, like, if I, I put this boot on and kick him in the pants or whatever. Oh, right, like, the actual house if it was a boot. Yeah. And so Barnaby opens the door and just fucking clocks him on the head with the stick. My God, I thought he killed him. <laughs> and there's, like, a delayed reaction. He, like, gets hit, and then he continues to talk, and then he drops. Stan's timing is masterful. I don't think we'll ever have a duo like them uh, ever again. No, but the best part is Stan wakes up and he's like, what the hell happened? Oh, this is great. And Ollie's like, Barnaby came in, clocked you, and walked out. And he goes, huh. (laughs) All right, right, open that window there, Ollie. (laughs) He fucking does his peewee trick, dude, except he does it with a metal spoon and a wooden rolling pin. He fucking hits this thing and smacks it out the window and it clobbers Barnaby in the back of the head. (laughs) 
He goes flying into the pavement. Oh my god, he fucking face plants right in there. Well then, of course, that night, Ollie and Stanny, you know, they feel bad. They couldn't do anything for, uh, you know, the person putting a, a, a roof over their heads. So they uh, they concoct this uh, plan, this, this Christmas gift idea. <laughs> In July. That's like one of the best fucking lines because you're like, oh, well, I just saw Santa Claus, so I guess it's close to Christmas. Right. Ollie's like in a crate and Stan like wheels him over to Barnaby's house because the plan is like they're going to drop this package off inside uh, Barnaby's house and then Ollie's going to get out and let Stan in and then they'll find the deed or whatever. Right, exactly. And and Barnaby's not going to be any wiser because he's a moron, obviously. Yeah, so... <laughs> Moral is dressed like the fucking Riddler. It's so funny looking. Right, with this little face mask on he's got. Yeah. He rings the bell and Barnaby's like, what do you want? Who is it? And he's like, hi, Mr. Barnaby. It's me, Stanny. Um... We we felt real bad about before, but um, we bought you a present. And he's like, a Christmas present? In the middle of July? And he's like, oh, we like to do our Christmas shopping early. And he's like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'll be right down. <laughs> it's just like shit like that, dude. It's so good. Uh, so yeah, he wheels it in and uh, he reads the package and he's like, oh, what is it? Let me open it. He's like, up, oh, up, oh, up, oh, Barnaby, do not open until Christmas. It says it right here. Yeah. <laughs> And they zoom in on it, and that's what it says printed on the crate. And he's like, oh, all right, I'll wait. (laughs) This big-ass crate just going to be sitting in his fucking foyer for the next six months. Okay. It's so good because he's like, good night, Mr. Barnaby. And he's like, good night. And he, like, goes to walk out and turns around and goes, you can go to sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay. We're not, we're going to come in and rob you. I mean, uh, ignore any noise you hear. It's 4 p.m., Stanley. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so it's the classic, uh, you know, good night, good night, Ollie. Good night, Stanley. Because <laughs> Ollie, like, puts his head out of the box. He's like, good night, Stanley. Oh, <laughs> the fucking top closes. Yeah, and Barnaby creeps in, and uh, the feather of, uh, uh, of Ollie's hat's poking out. And he starts, like, fiddling it, and then Ollie, I guess, gets the message and pokes his head out and is, like, you know, putting his fingers on the edge of the box, all, like, embarrassed (laughs) and trying not to look at Barnaby because he knows he's fucked. (laughs) So the next day, Barnaby charges them with burglary, and they're going to be dunked and then banished to the infamous bogey land. Yeah, not a slap on the wrist, not like 30 days in jail, not a fine, like nope, banished to be murdered and never seen again. To be torn apart by fucking monkey men. But before they go, they get to participate in a nice little carnival ride. Oh, they sure do. This looks fun. (laughs) For everyone involved, but the person being dunked, yeah. First of all, okay, so they're they're gonna get dunked, so Ollie's like, Stan, can you hold my watch? He's like, wouldn't want anything to happen to my watch. (laughs) And then they proceed to strap this man to a chair, like, strap him in with, like, belts so he can't move. Yeah. And it's, like, this giant, like, crane that's, like, hand-powered by these two giant executioner guys. Who looks so out of place among these, like, innocent, cutesy nursery rhyme characters. Imagine that, like, being, like, the, the, the executioner guys in Toyland. Imagine it was, like, two of the three little pigs. You know who's in there? Uh, John- It's Corp- It's Corpse Fucker and Cumdar. God damn it, that's- I was gonna say, I'm like, it's Cumdar and Corpse Fucker. Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's- Who'd you think it was? Here to ruin everyone's innocence. Hurt dropped them off through a dimensional portal. He said, you know, this is gonna be an important time in the, uh, the realms- 
and uh, they they were left there just to be you know backup plans in case anything went wary. Well, no, because they had to secure Barnaby and the Bogeymen to join the ranks of of um his his army. So oh, true. We'll we'll circle back around that at the end because I know exactly the uh, point in time where they grabbed him and took him out of there. Sure, uh, it, it might have something to do with a giant uh, wooden blocks falling from the sky and spelling out a word. It's possible. So. This goes as you would think. He gets dunked, uh, Ollie gets dunked, and the fucking rope breaks. <laughs> it breaks! He hits the water so hard that he just, like, creams Barnaby because he's <laughs> laughing the entire time up until then. Oh, he gets a mouthful of fucking spunk water, man. And we get this. I don't know why it's hilarious. It's it's a man drowning, but you just see uh, Oliver Hardy underwater. But he's tied to it. Well, he's tied to the chair. So Stanny now realizing, oh fuck, he's he's drowning. He starts crying. Oh! He goes, somebody get him out of there before he dies of pneumonia. <laughs> yeah. So then they all like all these uh, townsfolk and guard grab like the wooden crane and start lifting him out, but. I guess just because he's a heavy dude, that's not going to really help, and the, the fucking wooden block breaks. Oh, dude, it breaks right in half. Dude, this time the king, who's been laughing his fucking ass off the whole time, he gets pounded with a bucket of water. <laughs> yeah. And he talks like this. He's, I'm King Knack, old King Cole of Toyland, and uh, you're, you're fucked. You're going to bogeyland. And then all these other people fall in the fucking pond, and Oliver Hardy gets free, and he, cr- he crawls out of the water, <laughs> out of breath. <laughs> And uh, he's sitting there trying to recover, and Stanny, he gets a fucking cup, and he dips it into the water, and he hands it to him, and he goes, Haven't I had enough water? I'm only trying to help you. Then then uh, Barnaby's like, All right, get uh, get the next guy ready. And Bo Peep's like, oh, can't, we, uh, can't we just end this? And he's like, Well, uh, if you marry me, all right, I'll do it. And she does. And it's funny because, like, Ali and Stan are just standing there. He's like, wait a second. That's it? He's like, you're getting married now? And he's like, he don't have to be dunked. He's like, no, he doesn't have to be dunked. And fucking Barnaby says some shit like, you and I are going to be very good friends. And Stan's like, oh, yeah, me and him are just like that. And he, like, puts his fingers together. Right. And we get a call back to earlier when Tom Tom had asked or basically announced Oh, their marriage and everybody cheered. This time, Barnaby does. Oh, the future of Mrs. Silas Barnaby. And everyone's like, oh, great. Like, no, nobody claps. No. Let's plot his murder. When you're marrying a 13-year-old. Yeah, more or less. Somebody that's like 50 years your junior. And uh, we, we get this scene where, you know, you know, Ollie's pissed. He got dunked. He can't breathe. Uh, torture to him. And, and Sandy gets off with nothing. So he goes, uh, what the hell? And he goes, so Stanny doesn't have to get wet? And he goes, yeah, look at that. I don't have to get wet. And he goes, oh, we'll see about that. He pushes Stanny in the fucking water. Into the fucking pond. And then the Chekhov's gun, that is the watch, comes into play. (laughs) (laughs) Ollie, here's your watch. My favorite line in the movie. Ollie? Yeah? Your watch. And then Ollie, like, looks at the camera and fucking throws his hands up in the air. There's a lot of, like, fourth wall breaking, and I love it. Yeah, and Barnaby always does it when he's recoiling in horror from something. Hey, that that kind of comedy is, like, lost, right? And I, I think it's very funny. I mean, this movie is <laughs> almost 100 years old, and it's still fucking hilarious, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 100%. When something works, it works. And uh, so now we go to this... Uh... This marriage day. Oh, yeah. Where we actually, this is where we first meet. I, I mean, 
I call him Fritz. He's just basically like his uh, little servant. F- Fritz like that Barnaby has uh, do his bidding. Um, do you think him and Blossom like hang out after hours? Maybe to get like drinks together. Totally. Hello, Fritz. Hello, Fritz. Is Fritz home? I want to have a drink with him. Yes, I'm here, Blossom. Let's go to the bar. Splendid. Great. I'm allowed to le- I'm allowed to walk a hundred yards from the house. They have daiquiris together. I imagine that uh, uh what- Blossom. Blossom. I imagine. He- he doesn't really walk. He just glides. Like, you never see his feet. But that's the whole thing, man, because, you know, he, his bones are buried in the cemetery, and he's like a ghost man. Remember? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's just a specter. I was going to say maybe his body, his corpse is just moved by, like, little spiders under his feet. Oh, it could be, yeah. Because he's covered in cobwebs. I don't know. I've been dead for years and actually host to several thousand arachnids. <laughs> I like that. Do you know Clint Howard? He's a distant relative of mine. D- he tried to steal my thunder. Um, also, Barnaby and Prune have the same fucking interior decorator because damn. Yes. They don't clean at all. No. But yet, the day of the wedding... Mother Peep, she's still crying. She she can't believe this has happened, and she's going to go try to talk some sense into Barnaby. <laughs> and Stan is just like, all right, well, that's kind of fucking pointless. Like, what do you, what, what, you're not going to accomplish anything. You can't turn blood into a stone. And Ollie's like, what? And he's like, you, you can't put, you know, pouring one ear into another ear and it comes out the other side. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Stan's like, I'm housebroken. And he's like, you mean heartbroken. Yeah, because he's like, oh, yeah, Stan's not going to the wedding. Stan's just wearing, like, his regular outfit. And Ollie is wearing his regular outfit, but he's got, like, a suit jacket and a, and a top hat on over it. That's the only difference. He's got, like, a cape and those fucking giant gloves. Yeah. And uh, we, we kind of move on to Barnaby's where he's getting ready for this wedding and Mrs. Popeep. Uh, Mother Peep comes in. Oh, 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 Barnaby! Oh, you, you can't have this happen. And he's like, "Yeah, shut up, you old broad. I don't care. It's happening. I'm gonna take your daughter's virginity and savor it." Oh, <laughs> yeah. See what I'm saying? It's gross. Mm. But uh, this is my favorite scene in the movie. Easy, uh, the wedding scene. Yes, yes, yes. Because you know, Ollie brings in the bride. You can't see the face because of the veil. <laughs> the very conspicuously <laughs> covered face of the bride. <laughs> the judge. Uh, uh, announce uh, annunciates or announces excuse me yeah man and wife barnaby and uh and bo peep and um he goes he's like ah now i'm going to kiss the bride and ollie's like oh no hold on there mr barnaby aren't you forgetting something there and he's like oh yes the mortgage papers and then ollie takes it and he fucking rips it up into a million pieces and then he's like okay kiss the bride they take it off and it's fucking Stan Laurel in a wedding dress. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun. The classic dun, dun, music. Dun. And Barnaby's face is like an all timer here. He's got his like you know lips poking out, his head's po- you know pulled back like a fucking bird. Tom Tom's in the fucking window laughing his ass off. Oh yeah, he runs right back to the shoe. He's like, oh yeah. He climbs up the shoe and just fucking lays it on Bo Peep. Oh yeah, he sings a song about Spain to her or some shit. Like we're gonna live in a castle in. Spain or whatever. I'm like, wait a, wait a fucking second here. Spain is in this universe? <laughs> Spain is real? Uh, Toy Spain. Anyway, so he, he sings about that, and then, uh, you know, Barnaby rushes out of the room like, oh, you'll never hear the end of this. The king will hear of this, yeah. Ollie's like, all right, Stanny, well, uh, good luck. Uh, it's been nice knowing you. And I coming with you? He's like, oh, no, yeah, you're be- you're married to Barnaby now. You gotta stay here. He's a guy I love him, <laughs> but I don't love him. He starts bawling. Yeah, and then we get that fucking. Then we get that Tom Tom song, like we just said. 
And then, it, like, it cuts back to Barnaby, and he's fucking pissed. Oh, and, uh, of course, we have the callback at the wedding. Big Bay catches Big Rat. How did we miss that? Yeah. Uh, classic, classic scene. Classic. That's the, that's the big one. Uh, we cut to Barnaby with Fritz, as I guess we'll affectionately call him. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sure. And he like he's like cleaning something and he like hits into Barnaby and Barnaby's like, idiot, idiot. <laughs> he's like, idiot, don't imbecile pig. Well, he hits him with a fucking mop in the face. Or some shit. <laughs> yeah, he smacks him with a mop and fucking Barnaby goes on a tirade. He's just like, idiot, don't imbecile pig. Pig. I'm going to frame Tom Tom for a pig napping. <laughs> How he immediately arrives at this talk. And they make up the word pig napping, and they really, like, hang their fucking hats on it. Barnaby's plan is to plant evidence in Tom Tom's house that he stole one of the three little pigs. And in doing so, he'll be banished immediately to Bogeyland for pig napping. Well, and pig murder, apparently, if you go with a sausage. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. So Barnaby goes to the three little pigs' houses, and, like, he goes to the brick house, and, like, he sticks his hand in there, and the fucking pig bites his hand. And then he goes to the the uh, he knocks on the window of the of the wood house or the stick house, and this fucking pig opens up its blinds and like smacks his hand with a fucking gavel, <laughs> and then Barnaby blows the house down to poor little Elmer in the straw house, and uh, he's like sleeping, and he like goes to grab the pig, and this fucking thing punches him right in the face. <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing. And nobody uh, mentions, hey. Uh... Two other pigs. Who was wasn't Barnaby trying to get into your house last night? Yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, he was. Uh, I don't think it's related. Everyone lives ten feet away from each other, and like no one sees the only villain you have in town just knocking over someone's house. I don't think the pigs <laughs> speak English is the problem, so they couldn't like tell them it was Barnaby. And and then like uh, you guys were just talking about with the with the sausage links. Uh, Barnaby has them tied up at home. Yeah, in his basement. Yeah, and he has these sausage links. Or what he thinks are sausage links, and he gives them the fritz. He's like, "Yeah, plant these also with the hat. Fuck it, have them go for murder too." <laughs> Let's make this as gruesome as possible. <laughs> There's no way they can deny it now when he's in a fucking sausage. Um, and uh, they buy it. Yep. Tom Tom gets put on trial, and the fucking king is like, "Well, what do you mean? We found all this stuff in your house." Trial? They don't have trials in Toyland. They just basically someone come, you know, someone says, "Hey, this person did a crime. All right, uh, get him in Boogie to Land quick." Well, he's like, he's like, "We found this stuff in your house, and there's the fiddle and the hat and the sausage. You you fucking killed this pig. Now you must be banished to Boogie Land." No dunking though. Ollie broke it. No. Well, yeah, I think that's why they don't dunk him, right? This is the only way I know how to do my job. <laughs> and uh, he he. He says he didn't do it. No one believes him. Barnaby basically piles on like, oh, he did it. He did it. He did it. I, I don't know why everyone just takes Barnaby's side. Bunch of turncoats. Yeah. And it's fucked up, too, because like Barnaby wastes no time. Like they banish Tom Tom and like Bo Peep is like, oh, my God, this is horrible. And he's like, OK, well, now he's gone. Are you ready to get married? And she's like, you're fucking horrible. Get away from me. Right. And then, just by happenstance, like, Laurel and Hardy are, like, fucking around by the police station. <laughs> this guard comes over and has the evidence, right? The sausage and the hat and shit. He puts it next to Laurel and Hardy. He's like, hey, can you watch this for a second? I gotta go take a piss or something. Don't eat it. He forgot the key. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> he forgot the key to the station, because, of course, it's just, like, some, like, pro... It's basically just, like, a set piece. It doesn't even have an actual door. Sure. And, uh, you know, Stanny picks up the sausage link, and he starts chewing into it, and he's reading, like, the description, and he's like, yeah, Exhibit B. He's like, uh, it's Elmer. 
Huh. Tastes different, though. It tastes salty. He just eats this fucking sausage. He's like, hey, what what does this mean? And he's like, exhibit B. That sausage is, is the fucking pig. And he's like, it doesn't taste like pig. He's like, no? He's like, no, it tastes like pork. What's wrong with you? Ollie's face, like his eyes bug out. He's like, ah, oh, wait a fucking second. He's like, give me that. So he tasted and he's like, man, that's not a pig nor pork. It's beef. Mind you, up to this point, they're both under the impression that it's this fucking pig they knew. Right. And they're just like chowing down on it. Yeah, because Bo Peep even says that like, oh, we, Tom Tom and I were friends with the pig. So I'm like, so these people interacted with them. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Well, it's dead now. I'm going to eat this. Eh, we're not from around the area. We eat this kind of shit back in New York all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll this dice and make sure the sausage isn't the pig by eating it. Except I love that idea that they're just blow. You know, they're, they were staying with Mother Peep and they're just like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll eat this pig sausage. I don't give a shit." They, they have no commitment. They're they're barely getting along. <laughs> we're, we're transients. What do they care? Um, and yeah, so they figure out that it's beef and not pork, and because they just they they already know you know Barnaby's up to some shit. They just are like, "Fuck it, we're gonna go right to his house and." Uh, Almost as soon as Tom Tom gets ferried over to Boogie Land, past the crocodiles, and into the cave system. Real crocodiles, mind you. Yes. Or alligators, rather. Yeah, because 1930s don't fuck around. <laughs> no. Right, not not gator face, no one's kick-flipping over these fucking things. No. Real gators, and like literally, right after he gets dropped off, Ollie and Stanny come in with the pig, they're like, we found it in Barnaby's cellar! Ah, well, uh, okay, well, we just sent a man to his doom, alright, well, uh, get Barnaby! Yeah, they go try to lynch Barnaby, like, in his house. <laughs> he runs to this well in the back of his house where he has a secret compartment built in. Dude, it's the fucking MDU well, that's what that is! Quite literally. It's a back door to fucking Bogeyland, and if you go down further... You know, come Dar's there. Everybody's there playing poker at the fucking table. The Tralla Logs are there. Everybody. Right. Barnaby Keeper of the Well? Yeah. Yeah, well, he's the keeper of the fucking monsters down there. He just, uh, he had to use a different, uh, stone to open up a different compartment to get deeper, but he did not. Well, he has he has command of this giant labyrinth of caves. I don't know how the boogeymen have not fucking invaded earlier with the way that this cave system connects to the bottom of Toyland. Well, he, he has to command them somehow, like... Ah... Probably the biggest plot hole in the movie, by the way. I thought it was just like, they were like, hey, you're hideous. You can be one of us now. Sure. <laughs> I just took it as like he was, he knew he would go down there and like feed them and shit and like become their master or whatever. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe he taught them. Yeah, he's the keeper of the bogeyman. Oh, I, I could see it. We'll get to it soon. We're almost there. Why do you think John Hurt wants to team up with him? I like your monsters very much. I would like to have some. <laughs> you have an army of ape men with teeth, with razor-sharp claws and teeth. I don't need this stupid child anymore with his pit. <laughs> Hurt does collect the uh, the rose galleries. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so they see him going that well, and like all the townsfolk are just like fucking around at the front of his house the rest of his movie, I guess. But they go to the well, and they see him go in, but they don't see him like go through the compartment. And this well is not that deep. They should be able to see him at the bottom one way or the other, but they don't. Sure. So they're going to wait for him to come out. Well, meanwhile, Bo Peep's taking it upon herself to fucking take the raft, past the fucking gators, into bogey land to try to find Tom Tom. She's a fucking badass. She just hops on this raft and just pushes off and fucking sails over to boogie land by herself. It's not that far. I mean, yeah, but there are fucking alligators and man-eating fucking bogeymen. A trained athlete could make the jump from <laughs> boy land to bogey land, okay? Like, it's, it's not that far. And, uh, they meet up. 
This is that uh, scene we were talking about a little bit, the Mr. Sandman scene. Yeah, so this was completely excised from the March cut originally. And it's it's a pretty cool scene. It's one of the better songs, I would say. I love it. Uh, and again, like this is the one my dad used to always sing, um, and it was funny as hell. It's also all done with like an overlay. So it's like Bo Peep and, and well, no, Bo Peep's asleep and Tom Tom's like singing to her and like these translucent like <laughs> dwarves and all these other kind of like denizens show up. And then Mr. Sandman flies onto the fucking scene with this giant <laughs> silver cape and just starts overacting silently. It's the funniest fucking thing. Puts Tom Tom to sleep. Yeah, he sure does. Throw some sand in his in his eyes. Um, let me ask you a question. Is Sandman a ghost? I or Sandman resides between reality. Between worlds? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the astral plane, honestly. That's the veil being lifted in in the cave in Bo- Bogeyland, right? I think that's what it is. It's a space between spaces. It's a space between. Yeah, it's just really thin right there. The resonator's going in the other room. It's quantum realm. <laughs> Yeah, they they pass the fuck out, and we get it. We get it. We get a bunch of uh, bats on strings in this scene. We see flying around, and uh, Barnaby, because he knows these tunnels, uh, uh, you know, intricately. Uh, again, uh, holy shit, that lines up so well. These are the tunnels that they go through to, to play cards to get to the trollologs. Exactly, man. Um, I'm sure somewhere Disney's involved somewhere. If you go deep enough through these tunnels, you get into the bottom of the Disney World. Hollow Earth. That's what this is. Yeah. Oh, rats, I found them all again. <laughs> uh, but he finds them sleeping, and of course, because he's a creep, he immediately grabs Bo Peep and tries to, like, fucking run off with her. Oh, yeah. And there's, like, this whole bit where Stan and Ollie are, like, throwing throwing rocks down the well and they're like right stands like you better come up dead or alive right and ollie goes to throw the boulder and he's about he throws it and before it hits the bottom stan goes look out yeah (laughs) there's a couple good bits like that they do go down eventually yeah barbie and tom tom have a fucking knockdown drag out here tom tom throws a fucking ufc right hook at barnaby (laughs) he takes it on the chin his arms and legs go all the way out and then he tips over like a fucking tree. And he's not KO'd. So good. It looks, it looks like a pride knockout. Like one of those old Japanese fights where someone just like dies. <laughs> the hat goes flying and everything. Oh yeah. They're rolling around, flipping each other over and shit. And then they like, Bo Peep and Tom Tom like run up like, uh, let's say for the sake of argument, like this two story like cliff uh, a face. And Barnaby runs up after them with like a stick. And he swings it, and Tom Tom just kind of like sidesteps him, and he tumbles down this fucking ravine on his head. <laughs> he sure does. Into like a bunch of like rocks and shit. Oh, yeah. He's like, ah! Then he's like, he like gets up and starts banging these two stalactites and like summons the bogeyman. Because apparently he knows how to do that. That's what I'm saying, dude. He's the keeper of these fucking things. Uh, yeah, it's the only way that that makes sense without reading too much into an 80 year old movie. Well, yeah. And uh, they, they're creepy fucks. They look like. Uh, monkey men that have had their faces stepped on uh, permanently. <laughs> uh, they're all wearing cute uh, feety pajamas and all have uh, uh, fanged masks on. <laughs> oh, and and grass skirts too. Yes, it. Uh, they are definitely iconic, but uh, maybe not the best costumes in the film. I mean, everything else looks pretty damn good in comparison, but. When you think about the amount of these uh, creatures they have at the end here, it's kind of crazy to, you know, when you put it in perspective. And I think that's the secret there is that they had, like, well, we have to make, like, 40 of these. They're definitely not getting, you know, a whole lot of money thrown at them. Oh, for sure. But, like, 
the she- but again, like Sean said, the sheer amount of bogeymen is like insane. Yeah, there are so many of them. Bogeymen and and soldiers plus extras. It's like this had to be like a two hundred person fucking production. Yeah, uh, and again, there's no compositing, right? It's all no. real people in suits. <laughs> so they summon these bogeymen, and uh, Barnaby leads the charge after Bo Peep and Tom Tom. And while this is all happening simultaneously, Ollie and Stanny have made their way into the tunnels, and they they kind of see Tom Tom and Bo Peep run by and Barnaby behind them with the stick, but they don't see the boogeyman, so they chase after like, oh, we're going to get this guy, we're going to get the reward, because the king's like, oh, 50 uh, guineas to whoever catches him. It's like a Scooby-Doo chase. And uh, I love this scene because Ollie's all tough, like he's going to take out Barnaby with this fucking club, and the second Stanny sees the boogeyman coming, the two of them freak out, Stanny's like, oh, the boogeyman, <laughs> and they're running away. Oliver Hardy's a big guy. Like, he's a tall, large man. Oh, yeah. And he has this giant stick that he's about to beat fucking Barnaby's head in with. Oh, and I believe he'd do it no problem. Oh, sure. They uh, they book it the fuck out of there. They see these hundred boogeymen running after him. And they uh, they, they all go back through the, the well entrance. Even though, you know, Ollie, he needs a little help from Stanny because he's a little uh, wide. He can't get through. He gets pulled through. Oh, he gets fucking Winnie the Pood. And uh, Barnaby runs up, and he's like, he, he kind of just pokes his head in. He could tell that's how they got through. And he's like, all right, uh, fuck it. We're going the other way. Hit the rafts. And he brings all these boogeymen to the rafts. We could go up here one at a time where we cram every single one of you onto a small wooden block and float across this river with alligators. And if some of you die, whatever. An army. And so then the whole town gets woken up because, you know, Ollie and Stanny, they saved uh, Tom Tom and Bo Peep. And even the king walks in. It's the first time he hasn't been carried in someplace. He actually gets off his ass yeah. and walks in. He's like the people from fucking Wally. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have any bones. He doesn't have bones anymore. He's like, all right, who woke me up? This better be good. What? Why did you disrupt me during my beauty sleep? Oh, Tom Tom and Bo Peep. Who's responsible for saving them? Oh, oh, oh those two idiots. That's great. Tell me a story about it. Right, and then of course Oliver Hardy. He had, he did do this bit one other time earlier in the film. Oh yeah. But he explains what the boogeymen look like, and he's like. There you have great big eyes and great big arms and, and teeth <laughs> and all over the body. <laughs> they got great big ears and a great big mouth and hair all over their body. Oh, right. And these long, sharp claws that they grab you with. Yeah, and, and everyone screams and runs off and they think, oh, it's the story he's telling. But behind them, Barnaby and all these fucking boogeymen break through the gates. Oh, my God, dude. They kick down this fucking door and there's an army of them. Yeah. They come rushing in with torches, tiki torches, and uh, claws, and uh, just just pure carnage, and Oliver Hardy and uh, Stan Laurel, they book it the fuck out of Dodge. And then Gandalf's like, light the fires. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. So the bogeymen are fucking tearing up uh, Toyland, and um, Stan and Ollie like, run into the, uh, the toy makers uh the warehouse and they start like throwing darts at these fucking things stanny goes uh he upgrades his peewees to darts steal darts well yeah they, they they're throwing these darts and uh ollie's like i got an idea grab your fucking st- peewee stick so they go outside and they start fucking peeweeing these darts and like we were talking about before and connor was saying like stan laurel in real time is hitting these fucking darts and smacking them 
into Bogeyman, and, like, the camera just holds on him while he's just cracking these fucking things one after another. Just the amount of practice would have been, would have been like, yeah. just mind-shattering, because... It's impressive. Every one of his hits is super clean, and, like, he, he, it doesn't it doesn't ever look sloppy. They have the best takes uh, every time. This would all be CG now. Yeah, well, even, even when they include some, like, reverse... Uh, uh, footage and whatnot, like it, it, it looks a little crappy. But you got to think about again the time period. Oh, I, oh, like when it goes next to Barnaby's face and stuff. I that's that shit is so endearing to me. <laughs> yeah, because he gets two right next to Barnaby, and Barnaby again, classic face fall. He looks shocked. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, so Laurel just a little bit to the right. You would have got him right in the temple. <laughs> There's a point where like. Uh... Ollie's just like throwing darts into the ground and Stan is just whacking them and they're just like going rapid fire. It's and it's all practical. It's fucking great. They have the little baby in the tree that the boogeyman's trying to get. He knocks it out of the fucking tree. And then Mickey Mouse is like, I'm going to do an air grade. Everybody get ready. <laughs> <laughs> this is where this is the scene where Cybo man would have just like decimated them all. And then he gets into his fucking his his um his his wartime blimp. <laughs> starts dropping ordnance onto these fucking boogeymen. All on the ass cheeks. Uh, this m- monkey in the mouse suit is turning the turning the key to wind up the fucking blimp, uh, steering the blimp, like moving the, the steering wheel and like flying it out of the fucking window. That's why I thought it might be a little person because nope. the movements were very specific and very, very intricate. It's a monkey. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some relation to Cybo Man. I don't think it is actually Cybo Man, but maybe a, maybe a relative. Maybe he went to the Peter Weller School of Tolerance. Is like that's it. Everybody dies. <laughs> Here you go. Falling down, Mickey style. Fucking dropping those little snappers on these fucking things. Yeah, he takes a bunch out, and then uh, Stan he gets a little uh, too loose with these peewee darts, and he takes the fucking blimp out, and the <laughs> monkey jumps out. That's <laughs> a parachute. And Mickey, Mickey comes down sh- parachuting like it's a World War II film. I fucking love it, dude. And then we have the uh, three little pigs defending their home. Uh, they have this fucking, uh, you know, trip trap with a fucking, uh, like, a jump rope. Yeah. And and the pig runs in, and then they pull the rope uh, tight, and the boogeyman falls, and the other pig runs out with a fucking balloon and hits him in the head with it. <laughs> It's like they become the Ewoks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they, they get a couple like that, and then they even get Barnaby like that at one point. They whack his ass in the face with this balloon. So all this mayhem's going on, and the town's fighting back, and then finally uh, Stan gets the bright idea to use the wooden soldiers TM, and fucking they, him and Ollie start cranking these fuck or pressing all the buttons on the backs of these things, and then they all line up to fucking march out of this place and, and kick some fucking bogeyman ass. There is a really cool shot of uh, when they're marching into stop motion stuff. Yeah. It's a low-angled shot of all these toy soldiers walking towards the camera, and it's just really cool looking for yeah. being so old. Mm-hmm. In unison, too. So it's like... Yeah, in unison. And there's no... And again, it's no CG. These are all st- practical stop motion things. So there's like, I don't know, a hundred of these fucking things all animated at the same time in unison. Yeah, it looks good. And they even uh, have uh, Stan and Ollie on the side, like fist bumping and shaking hands and shit. Yeah, I love the fact that these soldiers who have been alive for 10 seconds are like a threat identified. Oh my God, right? Well, that's what I'm, that's what we're saying. They're like Terminators. Dude, they go in, they march <laughs> in, Barnaby's carrying Bo Peep out like he won the fucking day. 
And these hundred soldiers march out, and he looks like he's about to shit his pants. They just kick the shit out of these bookies. They fucking get stabbed, and there's an explicit scene where one of these soldiers steps on a fucking bogeyman's head and squishes it. Yep. Oh, that's right. We even see one going after bogeyman, and its fucking head gets removed, but it keeps coming. Dude, it's creepy. That's terrifying, actually. <laughs> Because you see the moment where his head pops off. Like, he just walks through a door frame. <laughs> yeah, right. Door and all. And, like, the head just pops right off. And you're like, oh, fuck. But then, like, yeah, the, the next cut is he's walking through the back door of this house just pursuing this boogeyman. It, it's really well done. And we even see Barnaby get chased off. Mm-hmm. And uh, those blocks fall. Those big blocks spell out R-A-T. Trap his ass in there. And uh, that's where John Hurt uh, appears, you know, off camera, takes Barnaby under his wing. <laughs> In your timeline, this is where you die. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he like appears next to him, like inside wherever he's trapped, and he's like, "Hello, Barnaby." So he grabs his ass and fucking they teleport out of there, huh? Yeah, yeah into the MDU. Yep. Barnaby's uh, a changed man after that. He is uh, learning learning the future technologies of the universe. To recoup, he's like he's like fucking Snoke picking up uh, Kylo Ren. Yeah, a little bit. So then, uh, you know, the boogeyman get fucking pushed out of town, back behind that gate, and they get a, they all get eaten by crocodiles. Oh, they push him right into that fucking water. And uh, you know what? Uh, Stanny, he's got an idea to send him off with a bang. He puts all the darts, the extra darts, in this fucking cannon, and uh, they're gonna fire it at the boogeyman. Even they already shut the gate, but I guess the idea is they're gonna get him on the way out. Yep, one last gag. Let's murder him. <laughs> but uh, when he lights the fuse, I don't know. It's a little bit uh weighted incorrectly i suppose and it flips around and shoots about a hundred you know maybe two or three hundred darts at fucking oliver hardy's back and he's blown <laughs> apart in a big giant red mist of viscera and limbs no he's fine it's a, it's a it's a it's a they're all stuck in him uniformly along his back and legs yeah i don't know how he's alive after this and stanny's pulling them out of his ass and we're all laughing our asses off um, as the credits roll and Toyland is saved. And then uh, Oliver Hardy died from, uh, p- you know, lead poisoning. Oh, my God. A week or two later because uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fucking metal just inserted into your body in a very rapid uh, <laughs> time period. Everyone's like, why did, you, why did you just pull those out? That's how you create puncture wounds. What were you thinking? He couldn't lay on his back for weeks. So what food is this? On our Thanksgiving spread, fellas. This is canned cranberry sauce. It's delicious, and I I love it, and I prefer it over other forms of cranberry sauce. <laughs> God, this is cozy and enjoyable, and, like, it's... Going back to it as an adult is both surreal and uh, really amusing because it it is this weird, dreamlike, you know, uh, fantasy world. You don't get to see a whole lot of this now, it's just, uh, especially all practical. Mm. And it's one of the few things we watch in here that I have lots of built-in nostalgia for. But I also hadn't seen it since I was like, I don't know, maybe 10, like really, really young. So the, the only thing I remembered was the, the peewee stuff towards the end when they were smacking the darts into the bogeyman. That was it. That was all I could remember. And like flashes of Barnaby and that's it. Um, so yeah, going back and visiting this was really fun and I'm glad we did it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I said this. <laughs> uh, spoilers i think i said this for uh another uh or the other thanksgiving th- thanks garbage thing we're doing uh but this is uh my fiance julie's uh sweet potato pie casserole it is delicious with layers of goodness um you got your you got your sweet potatoes you got your you got your brown sugar you got your cinnamon you got your melted marshmallows oh and they all come together in this combo of wonderful uh a flavor burst of 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 greatness 
Um, I watch this every year. I think I've watched this every year for Thanksgiving since I could fucking remember. Like, I, I can't remember a Thanksgiving where I did not watch this. Um, it is very much a nostalgic, uh, thing for me. And it's a, it's a tradition that, um, will continue for the rest of my life. And that's, that's a pretty powerful thing to say. I mean, like, it, it it's kind of like, you know, Christmas Story on Christmas for me. And I know a lot of people don't like that movie. Well, those people are wrong. Yeah, right? Well, it gets a 24-hour fucking marathon, so I guess uh, maybe you're just an asshole. But anyway, yeah, this this brings this always brings everybody together, too, around the holidays, too, um, I, I feel like. Like, it's a thing that we, that we do on Thanksgiving um, together, um, and it's been a good way to, like, connect on a different level again like with sean because like it's it's in his family too so like we kind of just like get it oh yeah and it's it's almost like we're watching it together every year you know what i mean i guess that's what i'm trying to say it's kind of like one of those things where it's like it's like oh you know you look up at the moon and we're we're looking at the same moon so we're kind of doing it together you know what i mean yeah yep i, I know that's all i know that's kind of cheesy thing to say but it it, it makes me feel good and kind of cozy and kind of I, I guess what i'm saying is like if you're watching this you, we're all kind of watching it together um so we have this kind of uh, reliving our childhoods almost reliving our childhoods having this kind of uh distance companionship uh which which is something that i think uh we could all use right about now you know absolutely so if you're firing it up on thanksgiving uh just know i'm watching it we're probably all gonna watch it uh so you'll be watching it with us in 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 your hearts and your spirits and what have you um but yeah uh, this fucking movie is so good and i think it's gonna be here uh another 8500 years <laughs> from now and people are still gonna be enjoying it so it's one of those timeless classics uh, love it yeah i mean as long as we don't uh blow each other off the face of the planet i think uh march of the wooden soldiers will survive <laughs> i think so well, put that into time capsules or uh put that in a fucking cannon and shoot it into space so it sticks around right or or into a fallout shelter you know one or the other oh there you go yeah uh vhs copy of course so that nobody can play it in the uh inevitable post-nuclear uh, future that's all they're gonna get from me i i i'm gonna say this is like the uh, green bean casserole or like the green bean amandine depending on how you prepare it okay uh on, on the uh, thanksgiving day plate um, it's, it's an old standby every year. I look forward to it. Uh, it's not quite the, the entree per se. I mean, when I ate meat, turkey was always, uh, you know, I went back for seconds and thirds probably every Thanksgiving, but now, uh, you know, it depends on what I get. I might get some kind of, uh, vegan replacement, uh, stuffing or some kind of, uh, vegan shepherd's pie possibly. Tofurky? Yeah, I, I've never actually uh, had tofurky to be perfectly honest. I, I don't know if this is the year I'm going to pull the trigger on it either. <laughs> Uh, but, but, but I, I, I found many, uh, good replacements, but my point is, uh, green bean casserole on the side. I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, I will say though that the singing parts, which granted it is a, a large portion of the film, just, I always kind of dislike that part. I remember as a kid, even, uh, fast forwarding those scenes when we would watch it on, on tape, we would just skip over that part. That is a crime. Oh yeah. We were the, the Tom, Tom singing a fucking Bo Peep. On the shoe, that got fast-forwarded most of the time. <laughs> uh, Bo Peep, We Found Your Sheep, that we usually watched that. Sandman, we didn't even have it at the time. 
and uh, the rest I think we just watched as is. But, you know, it was a regular fixture in the house. We had it on Betamax, for crying out loud, and VHS, and every other format. In fact, the only reason I had a digital copy on Amazon Prime was because I bought my dad the Blu-ray like five or six years ago, and it must have just come with it. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, Pretty good transfer, by the way. I mean, nothing... uh, I'd like to see if there's a 4K transfer, just out of morbid curiosity, to see what that even is. Because uh, this uh, digital Amazon Prime copy is pretty good. Uh, it didn't blow me away, but it was it was well done. And uh, since it is a shelf movie in some capacity, I suppose you know it's it's on my shelf for sure. Mm. Oh yeah, I think we're taking that green bean casserole and we're slopping it <laughs> into the mouth of the Baldwin statue, somewhere between <laughs> the tonic bottles and the garbage bags and the uh, pepperoni slices and. All the flies and and uh, melted Bo Derek leg, and and everything else. Oh man, you got a full meal there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I got some kind of uh, beef jerky in somebody's arm from from one of the movies. <laughs> I can't wait for next year when this finally goes all Akira. And then, you know. I think it already is uh, full Akira. To be perfectly honest, I'm just uh, trying not to look it in the face. Uh, right in the eyes, you know. I, I don't know. I think I saw the eyeball move once or twice while I've been in here recording. You know, it's it's it's, it's literally right in front of me, inches from my nose the entire time I'm doing this podcast. It's uh, it's a miracle I'm actually able to breathe in here. Uh, but yeah, green bean casserole down the gullet. Uh, it somehow ends up in the chest area into that uh, vault. Uh, it doesn't get there via the uh, typical proper way, so it probably fucks the whole statue up. Uh, but it's 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 in there, and it always will be there. And like Joe said, I watch this every year, or at least I I put it on every year with the intention of watching it. And sometimes it's just as background noise, uh, to be perfectly honest. But uh, but it's on. It's always on. Yeah, it's 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 hard not to throw it on. Bullshit on my phone. Uh, maybe throw the parade on because it's, usually it's on in the morning, uh, around the time the parade goes. Uh, where you know if you want to see Santa Claus, if you want to see that Pikachu uh balloon. <laughs> You gotta see Charlie Brown flying flying down Main Street. You gotta watch the the parade. I, I'm kind of curious to see what that's gonna be like with COVID. And uh, if you're going out for the parade on COVID, I'm assuming that's not gonna be a thing with the uh, sanctions in New York. But yeah, now now that I'm talking about it, I wonder if they even are doing it. I haven't looked it up at all. I literally this is the first time I've even thought about it. So uh, I'll probably just spin an old one. Like last year's. Yeah, which um, which one had Goku? Because that one blew me the fuck away when I was like, I'm like, Goku's in a Macy's Day Parade. Like, what planet am I on? I don't know. Go find that one and watch it. That's probably a good one. Maybe I'll do that. Instead of the Yule Log, I'll put on the Macy's Day Parade, and I'll skip all the music on that one, too. <laughs> um, just go right to the balloons. Yeah, and then you hear Al Roker go, here comes Super Saiyan Blue, Goku. I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That's all I got to say about that. It's a classic. Yeah, man. Uh, so as tradition goes, um, just like watching this film on Thanksgiving, each year so far for our three years, we have gone around and, uh, you know, said what we were thankful for. You know, we heard all these great uh, stories and comments that that, uh, that our listeners have written in and they're really sweet. Um, and I kind of want to just uh, do it, you know. Get get our uh, what we're thankful for, fellas. So uh, whoever wants to go first on this one, um, I'm thankful for this show, especially this year, because this year has been quite challenging for me, um, and I could always rely on this to as somewhere to retreat and be kind of away from all that. So definitely the show and uh, 
All the people who've taken time to interact with me on social media. God, you're all so nice. So yeah, that's mine, short and sweet. Yeah, no, that's sweet. Um, yes, it, it's been it's it's been a fucking year for sure for everybody. Um, I'm thankful for the community that we have. Um, kind of built up around this show and and how everybody uh all our listeners have contributed to that and been there for us and for each other both uh privately and and uh, uh publicly it's it's really great it feels good to have supporters like you cheering us on do for doing what we love and and supporting those dreams and uh i'm also thankful for my fiance julie who is always there to hold me up and and cheer me on and and uh you know pick me up when the chips are down and uh and you know really really uh see the best in myself and 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 uh to believe in myself and 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 keep going and don't give up on anything so very thankful for that and of course you guys um i i I love being able to get together with you guys every well we, do, we don't do it every week now, but every time we do get together, you know, we get to bullshit and, and talk about movies, which is one of my most favorite things to do. I guess that's why we did a show, started doing a show about it, right? Yeah, we hate it. <laughs> uh, especially, like, like like even just uh, just a quick peek behind the scenes, like when we did the commentary track, um, that was such a blast because it's been such a long time since I hung out with my friends and got to watch a movie together. Um and we got to do that, and we're going to do a lot more of those. So, so that was that was really great uh, for me, for my mental health and everything too. So, um, so yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm thankful for a lot of things. I mean, this show kind of goes without saying. Um, I mean, I'll say it. I'm thankful for the show. I mean, I think we all are. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and like Joe said, the community that we've we've built on this show with uh, you guys, the listeners. And uh, especially through like Patreon this year, getting to go to know a few of you uh, a little better, and uh, getting a little bit more one on one. Obviously, we we talk via you know the Facebook and Instagram and and the old Gmail, but uh, we got a little bit more personal over on Patreon, and maybe we can expand on that. But even even on our uh, Instagram and Facebook, it's been nice to kind of get to know you guys even even better than we have uh, up until this point and we're going on our fourth season soon and it's it start it's it's kind of surreal when you think about it like we just did 100 episodes and uh we, we just keep rolling on like the you know it doesn't end there and uh of course thankful for my girlfriend and uh i don't know i i, I mean i guess i'm thankful that i i got through most i mean hopefully this uh lockdown is mostly figured out by uh, the middle of next year but uh, I guess I'm thankful that I personally haven't uh, had any major repercussions from this whole situation. I mean, you know, there's obviously been some financial things. But uh, beyond that, you know, I didn't get COVID. You know, knock on wood, hopefully I don't get COVID. We, we've known some people that have gotten it and some uh, relatives and, and acquaintances and, and even some friends that have gotten it. And, you know, a few people have passed away. And thankfully, I haven't gotten it. You know, my girlfriend hasn't gotten it or our immediate family hasn't gotten it. So that's that's something I'm actually pretty thankful of. And uh, I hope just anybody listening at home, if you've... If you if you have gotten it or you know people that have gotten it, um, you know our our thoughts are with you, and we just uh, we want you guys to uh, just do what we're doing, and you know stay safe if you can uh, during the holidays and the rest of the year, and hopefully, uh, you know, twenty twenty one's not gonna happen, and then we're gonna have the cure. I mean, we're getting damn close. They have these vaccines uh, starting to come out of testing, and 
I'm 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 optimistic that 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 is something I really uh I mean we talk about it on the show we try not to go heavy duty into that because you know it has become somewhat of a political issue and that's really not the point at the end of the day but if we can uh, make it next year with this uh, this thing behind us this whole COVID madness mm. that would be something to really be thankful for but I think we're in a uh, I don't know. I know I'm a bit rambling here, and I'm talking a little bit more generally, but I think that that was such a focus this year for everybody, uh, especially in the United in the United States. Uh, that I, I don't know. I'm finally starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm not trying to rush this and and let and you know because the numbers are up. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm not trying to go on some big COVID rant. I guess what I'm saying is I'm thankful <laughs> that uh, I didn't get it, and that uh, I hope people listening to this, if you did get it, feel better. If you if uh, if if you haven't, keep doing what you're doing. I guess is what I'm trying to say, and uh, I think we'll all make it out of this. Sure. Uh, okay, if we keep it up. But uh, my thoughts are out there to anybody that's uh, been impacted by it negatively, whether it was with the virus directly or, you know, your financial situation or anything along those lines. Uh, you know, it's something that we uh, we think about if we don't always talk about, for sure. Absolutely. And hopefully we can offer some type of relief from all the crazy shit going on uh, for a couple hours for you. Yes. You know? Totally agree, Joe. But yeah, so with that being said, you know, I don't think this episode needs us to pitch any... Uh, <laughs> any patreon shit you guys know where to go at least for this episode i don't want to end it like that yeah i mean we, we've talked about it a bunch this episode and uh in the past i mean we're definitely gonna again we love to thank our listeners i mean we've been talking about you guys lots of thanks it's thanksgiving it's thanks garbage come on thanks garbage yeah uh and uh all, all those dumpster dwellers digging in the garbage looking for uh movies like this plucking them out and uh giving us thanks over on patreon uh so we'd like to thank hunter davenport brendan lemune the autistic gamer 89 christopher jacob chavez leonardo roberto talavero barocio texas chainsaw 3d gorlami <laughs> wow scarier every time oh god amanda tweed joe has a mustache dustin elkins nick lowry dalton bell serge murillo matt collins Tyler Monty, Lucio Fulci's butt, Julie Lockwood, Kyle McDonald, Nicholas Walters, Justin Kiefer, Daniel Perhaps, and Jacob Fannenbeck. Uh, thank you all for being our patrons, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. Please stay safe, and uh, we love you, and thanks for uh, supporting the show. And uh, look out. It's coming soon. Uh-oh. Uh, we hear those jingle bells are ringing. Oh, they're fucking clacking up, dude. You, you, you hear them fucking reindeer hooves on the on the uh, on the uh, the roof there? I think so. Yeah. Prancer, uh, you know, rearing its ugly head. Danza, Branza, Vixen, Comic Cupid, Donna, Blitzen. It's all. They're all coming. Yep. <laughs> Get ready for some trashing through the snow. Reign of the Santa Clauses. Oh yeah. <laughs> So that's it. That's Babes in Toyland, a.k.a. March of the Wooden Soldiers from 1934, directed by Gus Mines and Charlie Rogers. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster, and happy Thanksgiving. Now you may kiss the bride. <laughs> what is the meaning of this? <laughs> Big bait catches big rat. <laughs> <laughs>